Welcome to episode 452 of Conversation Street, the Coronation Street podcast, spoiler free, with me, Gemma. Hello, and me, Michael. How are you doing, <laughs> everybody? Hello. 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 Just said hello. Why am I saying hello to the people that are listening? <laughs> it's been polite. Come on. And probably like, maybe lots of people that are listening haven't had much social interaction this week. So um, I'm just pretending that we're back to normal. I'll tell you where's a good place to go if you want to socialise. What? Capitol building in Washington, D.C. Oh, there's loads of people there, aren't there? <laughs> oh, dear. Um, we're talking about Coronation Street between the 4th and the 8th of January, 2021. That's episodes 10,213 to 10,218. Yes. Um, so it's been a, been a bit of a week again this week, hasn't it? Back to school, <laughs> away from school. It's been, oh, it's yeah. been, been busy. Jen's been, been on a deadline. A lot of drama. I've been, I've been, I've been at home, like, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday but working full out, doing various well, school bits and bobs, so I'm glad that we finally reached the end of the week so I can uh, watch Corrie do a podcast, have a bit of a relax. Yeah, well, you brought it up, so in case anyone's wondering, who's not from the UK and doesn't know the news, um, all the schools got sent back by the Prime Minister, and then on the Monday evening he went, oh no, <laughs> don't go to school anymore. <laughs> well, my school decided, like, Monday afternoon that we weren't going to come in on Tuesday anyway, so we, um, we beat well, have Boris Johnson anyway. to that. So, um, well, you know, we, we've still got to be open for children of key workers, so I've got, I'll be in next week doing my bit on the front lines. Well, the most important thing is that the schools are going to spread the virus and they want to prevent that from happening, and I think people keep forgetting this. Yeah. And also keep saying the teachers haven't been working, which is rubbish. It's definitely, definitely rubbish if you think teachers haven't been working. Re- Maybe some teachers haven't, but I certainly have. Also, even so more important than that, there is hopefully not going to be any change to the Coronation Street filming schedules, as far as we can tell from the news. Um, everything's been locked down again, and it's it's pretty much back to how it was you know, last year, isn't no, it, it? Isn't. with the odd exception here and there. But I'm working. TV, at, yeah, Gemma's not furloughed at the moment. Uh, TV and film production is still carrying on, so um, I guess for now Coronation Street is going to keep on going, um, still with the same social distancing uh, measures in place. Uh, it may well mean that some of the um, some of the crumblies might not be on for too long, including Helen Worth, who turned seventy just this week. So that tips her into the next bracket, I suppose. Oh, get home, go home, Gail. <laughs> go on, Gail. Oh. Um, so anyway, we'll we'll have, I suppose that's to be seen, isn't it? But. Um, yeah, but as far as I can tell, there's not any risk of Corey being shut down or, you know, going back to three episodes a week or anything like that. So everything's going to be OK. Everything's going to be all right, everybody. And oh. the vaccine is on its way. Gosh. So, uh, and how, how's your... Oh, Gemma, Gemma, you got something in the post today, didn't you? Did you want to talk <laughs> about your Coronation Street themes? Well, I mean, this was a live, this was a live podcast purchase. This it was. was. I thought it was that yeah. you, you, you bought. When was it? Was it last week or week before? I can't remember. It was a while ago, but it's finally arrived. What Everybody who was waiting on Tenterhooks to get this, uh, for me to get this, we, we, the wait is over, everybody. I know that the, the vaccine is anticipated, is but not as much as this. It is... Um, Weatherfield Yesterday, The Cartwright Murders by one Ken Barlow. It's a book, isn't it? It's a Released book in that has been written by a fictional character in the show that we're all talking about. It pretends to be written by Ken Barlow. Um, and it's about, what's it about? Um, it's about a murder. In, in like, hundred years ago sort of times. Yes. 
Yeah, they referred to this in the in the show. They had Ken writing it, and it turned out that Fred Elliott's great granddad or something was a was a murderer. There's a picture here of Ashley Peacock, and it's got the young heir to the Cartwright legacy written underneath it. Yeah, all gone. I mean, That's I guess I guess Fred N. Joshua will. Oh no, I don't even know whether whether Joshua will be an heir to that anymore. He's not actually Ashley's son. But yeah, this just came in the post this afternoon, doesn't it? So you've not had yeah. a chance to peruse it yet. But maybe you'll be able to report back next the week on how it is. Is completely in character. Um, the only thing is, there's a bit in here that says it's, it's actually Stephen Bennett writing it. But even the um, like, what's this bit called? Dedication. Is, uh, the work would have been impossible without the forbearance, understanding and love of my true and constant companion, Deirdre. So it's... When I've forgotten every other name in my history of Weatherfield, yours will remain. So it's not a novel, is it? It's, it's written it's in the form of... It's an investigative, journalistic piece about the Cartwright murders. This sounds like right up your alley. The notorious cutthroat Cartwright case. Mm, I remember when this came out, but I forgot about it for years. Dark and tragic story. Um, Victorian families, villains, victims, dark satanic mills, a sticky web of scandal and intrigue. I can't wait. And the most important, the the best bit so far, because obviously I haven't read any of it, so I can't judge the contents. The best bit so far is the picture of Ken Barley on the front in a in a big trench coat. He looks, looking he looks like in, a private like, dick, doesn't he? Like looking like he's writing down everything you're saying <laughs> to to get you in trouble later on. Well, we'll come back to the podcast hopefully next week with your thoughts on this. Well, next week we've got to read a book. We can read I wasn't going to read it. it. I was just going to no, look at no, it. No, you're not. Um, like I do with no, all my other after books. After your deadline. Right, um, let's get this show on the road then. Have you got a quiz for me today? I, I know you have. I've already asked you. Do. Is it a good one? It's Is it's um, one? an erroneous one because I merrily began to start working from the eighth onwards when I started my quiz instead oh, of going backwards. So I've got two extra days on the end, and I don't care. I'm not wasting my work. Okay, but, and what? Are you I'm starting from the fourth. Yes, I'm going to include it anyway. Fine. It's hard graft. This is. Okay, I'm just you looking around appreciate... for a, a bit of paper. Sorry if I'm getting. We always do this. Right. You don't appreciate how hard <laughs> I work <laughs> on this. This sometimes takes me up to an hour to do. Absolutely really? disgraceful. How long do you think it takes? I don't really know, but I never thought it would be an hour just for a little throwaway set to the just, but just because I it's rubbish and nonsense. You. It's not. It's great. I love it. Girls, girls do quizzes, so they can't be as good. Go on, then. What trying to say. Go on, then. Right. I will um, savour and devour every question. Okay. Fourth to the 10th of January in years ending in a one and a six. And I got this from com- coronationstreet.fandom.com, aka Coropedia. 4th of January, 1961. Ken and his friends organised a student protest, but to what for? Ban the bomb. Yes. And what bomb is that? Nuclear bomb? <laughs> yeah. It wasn't like <laughs> Marilyn Monroe. She's too Some sexy. days you just can't get rid of a bomb. Do you know what? what? That was referenced in a review that one of my writers wrote for me was today. It? Yeah. <laughs> How funny. That is okay. Funny. Right, 4th of January 1969, same day. Why does Arnold Tanner turn up after 15 years? Why does Arnold Tanner? Um, okay, he wants to he wants to divorce Elsie Tanner. Yeah, asking Elsie for a divorce. Yeah. 4th of Jan 1971. Annie gets in trouble with a brewery over the watered-down gin. And Stan overhears someone bad-mouthing the Rovers when he visits Top Drum, which is a pub. This person is later revealed to have been the one who sabotaged the gin. Who is it? Oh, not, not a clue. Not a clue. Is it, is it, a, you know, is it a regular character? No. 
I don't know then. It's Draymond Arthur Burroughs. Not a clue on that one. Fine. Anyone of you get at home get that? And you're well done. me. 5th of January 2001. Who proposed to Sally? 2001. Ah. Oh, she she was alright. Alright. Minx? Minx. Around, around the early 2000s. It could have been... Could have a number of people, to be quite honest. She's a sexy um, lass, that Sal. Was it was it uh, Ian Davenport? No. <laughs> was it Kevin? No. Again. Was it Greg Kelly? No. Was it Danny Hargreaves? It was had Danny Hargreaves, but you don't get a point oh, for it. Get a quarter of a point because I got it on my fourth guess. Sixth of January, nineteen sixty-one. Harry packs Lucille's bags so she can return where? Nineteen sixty-one. Yeah. Uh, must be her. Uh, uh, orphanage. <laughs> yes. Yes. Thanks. Because when you're when the mother when dies, you're a single parent, and it's, when yeah. you're no, when you're a dad, you don't you can't be expected to look after no. your children. Oh, I do wonder what the arrangement was. Like, was this like a public service? Did the Queen just go? Oh no, no, we'll take her. <laughs> or, like, was it free? Did he have to pay sixpence a week or something? <laughs> I'm really intrigued. Or did they like just take them in and like send them down the mines to to earn their keep? Maybe. We may never know. Yeah, brings back a nugget of gold that I keep again for six months or so. (laughs) 7th of Jan, 1981. What name do Brian and Gail settle on for their baby's name? Mickey Olas. Nick? Mickey Olas. Nick? No, wrong. What? (sighs) Is there a story behind this? Yeah, they were going to call him Daniel David Tilsley. Oh. Do you know why they didn't call him that? No. Because his initials were going to be DGT. Do you know what that means? No. <laughs> this took me a while to find this out today because it's not common knowledge now. But back at the, in the day, it was a notorious... Well, it still is, but it was more notorious then. DDT, bad pesticide that killed lots of wild birds. That's hilarious. And it made their eggshells weak and apparently in America it nearly killed off the bald eagles. Oh. So Poison Nicky got his name changed. That's funny. Who did they choose as the godmother to Ivy's disgust? The godmother of Nick? Yeah. I don't know uh, if this went ahead, but this is this is like one of the coolest facts about Nick as far as I'm concerned. Is it like Vera? No, she was like Vera? that. Vera? I don't know, just checking a random person. Actually, Ivy and Vera are friends, aren't they? Yeah. Um, I don't know why she had such a problem with this other person when she was best friends with Vera. No, I don't know. Elsie. Ah, oh, Elsie Tanner, wow. Imagine having Elsie Tanner as your godmother. Blimey. Fantastic. 8th of January 2016. How does Cathy set fire to her house? She's trying to burn uh-huh. letters yeah. that... Her husband had yeah. sent Nessa. Correct. Yes. Right. Well, I think they were from Nessa to your husband, oh, but it's yeah, fine. That's a point. I've got four, four points for misses so far. I'm on 50%. Oh, well done. Oh, um, not, not, not great. Uh, this led to, um, again, dumping Nessa. Very sad. Uh. Eighth of, I don't know why he cares. He was a blooming adulterer, wasn't he? Yeah. 8th of January, 1996. Why do the mallets try to get Jack drunk by putting vodka in his whiskey? Gosh, I don't I'm know. hoping that you you got to this bit. We have got to nineteen ninety six. Yeah, we we got Where to this. We're we're, we're mid nineteen ninety seven, so it's a little mm. way away. 
Um, I'm going to be quizzing you on 96. No, I don't know. Don't remember. To try and get him to pay for their house to be rewired. Okay. Oh, uh, yeah, vague, vaguely remember that. I don't get a mark for that, I'm no. afraid. Oh, gosh. <laughs> 9th right, of January, 2006. Gail's current boyfriend is disgusted with the way David treats her. What is the current boyfriend's name? Phil Nail. Correct. Yeah. Back to 50% again. I've written who plays the character, but I didn't write down the answer. Do you know? I've forgotten his name. Uh, it's very I famous. don't remember, but he did also play Scotch Tommy. That was the other question. Who else did he play in Corrie? Nobody <laughs> accepted one of two answers. Okay. The other well, one being a removal man called Frank in 1983. Do I, do I still get zero points for the not knowing the actor's name? Could I just said anything? Well, I didn't know the answer, so... Um, he okay, also played on. Brendan Tully in Game of Thrones, in case anybody's interested. Oh, yes. 10th of January, 2001. What secret does Ken find out Susan had been hiding? She didn't have an abortion. She had Adam. <laughs> yes. Makes it sound like they were, you went to the hospital and they're like, right, would you like Adam? Abortion and Adam. Right, 12-year-old son, Adam, with Mike, yes. 10th of January, 2011. Who does John Stape kill by accident and how? Um, Old Bumble Fingers, John Stape, always killing people accidentally. January 2011. Joy Fishwick. Yeah, how? Um, by putting his hand over her mouth to try and keep her quiet. Yeah, he, he, he well, she was, um... She's she's in, well, she was in an armchair and she and somebody had come to the door and she was going to call out to them. What was he there to tell her? What did you tell her before she died? Um, oh, I can't remember. It, was, it must have been something to do with her son's death. Yeah. I didn't kill your son. No, she told, he told him she, he did, and uh, uh, but it was accident. <laughs> was that a question? I'll give yourself a mark if you want one. I didn't get it right. Oh, don't then. It's okay, not right. One, two, three, four, five, six. I got eight right and one, two, three, four, five, six wrong. There we go. That's not bad. Three I think, quarters. I think I'll this is that. what the government is a bit worried about when they said that teachers are allowed to assess their pupils instead of exams. This year. <laughs> I wouldn't be very good at <laughs> it. Count that Just or give not. yourself a mark. I actually don't care. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. SAT's cancelled again this year. Ugh, birthdays. Right. Who's got a birthday? Did you get your birthday date? I right did get this time? right because. Like I told you, I can't remember if this was on the podcast or not, I had a cunning, well, was it realisation that a cunning realization. I've been doing this for a year now and therefore I have all the birthdays written down already. Have you been doing this a year? No, I've been writing it down for a oh, year okay. before I used to handwrite it. Okay. So, I, I just copied and pasted it. But what about... Oh no, you don't miss out any days of the week, do you? Oh, go on then. <laughs> Thanks! Does it meet your seal of approval? Have you, what have you got? Have you got like a document that's just literally everyone's... No, that okay. would have been clever though, wouldn't it? What about if any characters or actors or whatever come in that... I know um... you're asking me this. I'll just check. Okay. You asked me this before. Like okay. you're trying to catch me out. But the list you know what? to know. It's You've tough. If you come into the show and you don't have your birthday on Coropedia, it's tough, isn't it? Yeah. Most of the people that have, re- have joined recently don't have their birthdays on Coropedia. Oh. Do okay. they? I don't know. I don't know. Go on then, go on then. Get your agent on that if you're a new... If you you join within the last, don't they? We'll be able to send you cards. 9th of January, director Les Chatfield. 10th of January, Jennifer Moss, who played Lucille Hewitt. And Claire King, who played Erica Holyrood. Rude. How do you say that? Just like that. Roid. Rod. Holroid. Holroid. (laughs) Hologram. Erica Hologram. Erica. Um, 11th of January... 
Yeah, she's not a real character. She's the, she's a character, not a person. I'm not being horrible to the person. <laughs> Although, if your name, surname is that, please tell me what I have to say. 11th of January, Melanie Hill, who plays Kathy Matthews, and Caroline Milno, who played Lisa Duckworth. 12th of January, Isabella and William Flanagan, who are the fifth actress to play portray Hope Stape and the third actor to portray Joseph Brown. And, drum roll please, on the 14th of January, Jack P. Shepherd, who's David Platt II. Hey. <laughs> Congratulations, okay. everyone, reaching another year, if you have. <laughs> <laughs> I think most of them have. Okay. That's it. That's, that's it. it, everybody. Right, let's uh, let's get on and talk about this week's Corrie then, shall we? Yeah. Right then, so this week's Coronation Street, first full week of the year. What did we think of it? Um, it was interesting, you were saying to me earlier, because I, I like often will mention to you between the Wednesday and the Friday episode, oh, I'm thinking such and such at the week so far, this is a really strong week, or this is kind of it started well and it's going down, and you're like, you, you don't come to a decision about it until you've talked about it even, do you? I honestly, it's difficult because I guess I maybe I do, but I don't realise it. Because if a week's really boring, I definitely know. And if a week's really good, I definitely know. But most of the rest of the time, I'm just like, I don't know, it was Coronation Street. What do you want to say? <laughs> it was what it was. <laughs> I thought that the, I enjoyed this week. And it was interesting because I was, I was looking on, on Facebook and, and online and that. And it feels like the general feeling of it it was it wasn't so good this week but I thought particularly Monday and Wednesday's episodes I really enjoyed but I, I don't know whether I'm I'm out on my own with that opinion or whether there's anyone else that you know also appreciated it but um yeah I, I honestly I didn't well, find very much not to like on Monday and Wednesday uh t- today today was more of an okay episode I have to say and I don't know whether everyone else agrees with that or whether they thought it was brilliant I don't know I'm going to tell you exactly why I think that later on and we have got seven stories to, to share with you everybody today can I just ask you oh. you know you said to me that you didn't realize or you 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 tell me what you think of the yeah. weeks going along but I said I was like I don't I'm never really sure until we do the podcast mm. to be honest didn't it? Wasn't it a bit of a giveaway when every week you say, "What's your score?" And I'm like, "I don't know. I'm not sure." <laughs> I wonder whether it's to do with the fact that I do, you know, a lot of the preparation for the podcast, and it's like I know the podcast is coming. I get my notes yeah. in it, and I need to like prepare what I'm going to say in my head. You know, not you know, subconsciously. What am I going to say in all aspects of the well, podcast you, yeah, this week? I mean, and you, you just come and fly notes. by the seat of your pants. Don't you? You're taking notes all week, and I'm not doing that, so it doesn't really. Yeah. I don't organise my thoughts. No, well, we'll find out, won't Sometimes you? I don't even know what's going on. Well, we just, we'll say. So, seven stories. The first one I've added, I've, I've made this even more alliterative than it was. Go we on, have man. got Roy's Rabble Rousers Riot regarding Ray's race to raise the place. <laughs> we have got A Babes in Grace is back. I've got that story too. I don't know why I put that second. It's quite important. Evelyn Leaving. No. She is not. Oh my gosh, Arthur, come back. Give him half a chance. Um, lonely. Lonely. Oh, lonely. She's so lonely. Lonely. <laughs> lonely. <laughs> so lonely. Leanne is alone in the flat this week, so sad. Um, Robert Johnny. Oh no, I've, I want to call this Jailbird Johnny or Johnny Jailbird or something. Cause he Johnny is, Jailbird. He is in the clink. He's got his eight months now, hasn't he? 
He'll get, he'll get Rich, loud. if you've listened to the predictions podcast before you've listened to this one, we... you'll find out I was right. I predicted that Johnny would be sent down and we recorded this one. Tuesday, was it? And you this said, This is so nah, frustrating because this stupid thing, I'm so mad at you. Why? No, listen. This stupid predictions podcast, I had to write my predictions. I wrote them and I was thinking about them on like the 29th, 30th of, of December and it's going to be the 9th of January when they get released and everyone's going to be like, yeah, obviously. <laughs> of course that's going to happen. Never mind. Or what is she thinking saying stuff like that? Because we'll, we'll obviously... Put, we'll put a little... Um... What's it called? Disclaimer. Disclaimer before the podcast, if you remember to record. Uh, We've got a bit more of the Confessions of a Window Cleaner and a little bit more of the Asher's story. Have you found... You showed it to me. I showed you after the episode what Confessions of a Window Cleaner was. Don't know why you know that. (laughs) Right. I really actually enjoyed the Roy's Rapper Rousers right regarding Ray's Race to Raise the Place at the beginning of the week. But a lot of people thought it was silly. Is it like Nintendo and we have to call it by the exact full title every single time we refer to Well, we're not going to abbreviate it, are we, and call it that? (laughs) (laughs) No. So, there was a really... um, a kind of modern feeling meeting at the beginning of the week where they all where they all had a TV internet link into the meeting that they can all go to. So they had Roy, Debbie, Ray, and um, Councillor Woman were were debating the the final or making the final decisions about whether he could build this block of flats or not. See, look, <coughs> coronavirus has done a lot of bad things, but the worst thing it's done, in my opinion, apart from killing lots of people. Is making it so you have no no excuse for not going to things for the rest of time eternal. Like, I can't go to the meeting because I'm going to be... It's like, no, you, you have to zoom in. I thought that you would say, yeah, that, that what's made it bad is the, the expectation that you're absolutely fine with doing video calls when I mentioned I that. I don't you would want to be hate. on video calls. Somebody tried to do... Like, the other day, I was I had this guy at work who could have just emailed me but no he wants to, he's like can we have can we set up a zoom meeting it's like what's wrong with a phone call <laughs> can't you phone me up anymore can nobody use the telephone that's so last decade and then he just moaned about his company to me for an hour which was quite fun <laughs> anyway so they, they've got this meeting going on where and, and meanwhile back in the street we've got all the all the rabble rails as a getting the tv set up sally can't get the sound to work um and also we find out via brian that Newton, uh, not Newton Ridley, Nuttall's Brewery is not a building of historic interest. It's so even they got can't a fermentation it floor. It doesn't mean anything. Um, I, I thought there were some real funny bits on Monday's episode and there was a bit towards the end of that scene where David kind of sneaks off when Sally's not looking and the look on his face is quite amusing. So um, He's a top lad, that one. Between he is a top lad and he said a top lad. Between all these intermittent sound drops and everything that Sally was getting, um, the the viewers of the you know, back in the factory and everywhere, watch Debbie talking about all the socioeconomic benefits that this new development will bring, how the world's changed, how well the field needs oh, to keep up with it. We need la, to la, probably la. make it a bit more clear it, that the meeting is taking place in, in a physical sense and a virtual one. Yeah, I thought I said so, that. So Debbie and Dre and... The, and Roy. And everyone are there and everyone else is watching. Yeah. Are they allowed to say anything or are they just no. spectating? They're, all, they're on mute. And Okay. Um, so it, so Debbie says her bit and then it's Roy's turn and he gives this big impassioned speech about oh, increased traffic through Salford and Manchester. I always love it when they mention Salford and Manchester because it shows that um, Weatherfield isn't just in its own little bubble. Um, and he so talks about the pollution, 
um, how all the local community will be decimated and broken up by this new building. I don't know quite where that comes from, but uh, he says, it will tear the heart out of Weatherfield without any anaesthetic. Nice one. Nice. Just like in Indiana Jones. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> <laughs> Next minute, they'll be expecting us to eat monkey brains. <laughs> the The thing is, still... I can't remember if anybody did anything good this week. It will become apparent as you continue to talk through the plot. It still feels to me a bit like everyone's being a bunch of nimbies about this. Do you know what I mean? Everyone apart from Debbie. She's the only one talking about this. Debbie's like, let's just raise, let's just destroy everything. Do you know what I mean? They actually said, they said, raise it to the ground. It was in the script this week. And I was like, yeah, raise. Yeah, raise. Woo, woo, woo. Shout out. Um, so and Ray's mum's like that's why I called him that I'm so <laughs> pleased you can't believe you can't understand how pleased I am um, so, so I was quite surprised at how quickly they came to a decision about um, what, even what they were going to do what you this, know later well when I was watching it I was like oh next scene they're going to tell us what they've decided it was the same with Johnny in um, in the court this week it's like oh we don't have to wait until Monday to find out the I was a bit then. suspicious when people make their minds up about things that are really important so fast yeah, I wonder whether um, whether that woman whose uh, son Johnny ran over them, Scott beat up, has given the judge a backhander to make him make his verdict quick. Well, why not? Look, I suggest, can I, can I say, I think it would be a good way of getting a bit of a cash injection to our starved court system. Just let the judges have bribes. <laughs> um, so anyway, the panel has made a decision and yes, they are granting the planning permission and, and the people watching on can't believe it. Who's Ray got in his pocket now, they say. Debbie is dead chuffed with herself. Um, meanwhile, oh no, a bit later, <laughs> Roy gets back to Wonderworld and Sally Wonder and... Wonderworld? Wonderworld, Underworld, Sally and Abby... Wonderworld, and... oh my God, petition to change it to <laughs> Wonderworld, please. Is that where they just make Wonder Bras? Well, yeah, I mean, wouldn't that be a great way of... of Uplifting. <laughs> the girls. Of, like, stealing, like, the, the goodwill that Wonder Bra instills in your mind... Wonderland. Maybe, maybe, maybe. Mind you, there'll be so many disappointed kids on the doorstep every now and then. Turn up their oh, parents. God, this is oh, Michael Jackson's God. place. You're thinking of Neverland. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. Can you imagine getting a little thing? Go, uh, take your kids on a trip to Wonderland, and you turn up, <laughs> and it's a bunch of cynical old but. Buggers making bras <laughs> and, and Sarah walking around with a clipboard and, and Toya doing God knows what. Better that than have Michael Jackson at the door going, come on in, children. <laughs> anyway, they're pleased with Roy. They're proud of him for trying so hard. Um, and then Sally gets this frantic phone call from David and is like, Ray's done what? Well, what it is, is that David has been served an eviction letter. He needs to leave his house in two weeks. They're actually going to knock the houses down, they say. And, and, and I'm sitting there watching going, yeah, they're not, are they? <laughs> I, I, I was enjoying This is probably the most this week is the most I've enjoyed this plot, I have to say. It feels like it's exciting and it's building up to something. In the back of my head, I'm thinking it's not building up to the thing that I'm getting excited about it building up towards. But. The thing is about it, it's so disappointing, really, because because they can't have any tours going through. And I know that there are buildings that overlook the set, so it's diff- more difficult to hide, but... There are fewer people around in general, or so there should be. Mm. This would be the perfect time to like surreptitiously just knock down half of the street. If it were ever possible to do it with minimum amount of people noticing, now is the perfect time. Yeah, I know, but anyway. Um, 
Well, we know it doesn't happen they, because no. of Coronation Street doing their race to the Rovers thing, mm. which, uh, you know, is it a spoiler? No, not really, because they showed it themselves yeah. and everything there is intact and there's something on the street, which I won't say because it is a spoiler. Oh, yes. Um, that physically changed about the street. Oh, I wonder whether that's going to come into it. Now. Which hasn't oh. happened in the show yet, so therefore you know up until the point that that happens. Happen. Um, the street is still as it is, and yeah. it, it can't, you know, yeah. nothing's happened. Yeah. Um, so anyway, uh, they all go round to the Rovers. <laughs> what best thing to do in a crisis, but all crowd into the pub. Uh, Emma also is there. She says she's got an eviction notice for the salon flat. This week we kind of start to hear all the other people that are living round and find out that they're getting turfed out as well. David thinks Ray must have known what was going to happen because these letters landed on his um, doormat pretty darn quick after the verdict was was given. Um, and Sally says, yeah, we're not going to take this lying down. So Abby, we have Abby and Debbie having a bit of a standoff with Debbie and Ray in the street. Debbie is still, you know, on the attempted road to redemption here where she's saying, oh, Kevin, you should have offered, uh, accepted my offer of help last week. And Kevin just stomps off. He's not having any of it. Kevin is the last person in the whole world to ever forgive anybody anything. He's such a grudge holder. I know he is. Such a grumpy <laughs> git. Kev the crank. Um <laughs> And then she also has a go at Ray later as well. He says that you got to start winding, stop, start, stop winding people off on purpose, Ray. You're not making any friends here. He needs to take. He needs to listen to that really because he was only saying like a few months ago that the whole Nobody community is me. against me. <laughs> Nobody comes around my bistro anymore. They all go off to speed dial. Well, you know, you're making it worse for himself. But I think now he's, I suppose, the the he's end is in sight for villain. him. Yeah. He's like, I'm the villain of the piece. Debbie, have to be means everyone. It's in the script. He knows that as soon as he gets, you know, these diggers or or wrecking balls or anything in, then he's won, and it's like, oh, so tantalisingly yeah, close. How him. He doesn't care who yeah. he, who gets in the way. It must be fun. I mean, I've never, I've never had the upper hand over anybody <laughs> I've disliked in my life. So I can only imagine how megalomaniacal. Is that a word I would get if I was in any any um, position of power over anybody I dislike? This is a good thing. I shouldn't be allowed. But if I was, if I was, I you know, imagine how much pleasure you'd take over these people. You just been a thorn in your side, and they they are snobby and a bit. What's the word? Exclusive. You know what I mean? Mm. They, they're very insular on Coronation Street. Mm. So yeah. That's what happens with They're all a bunch of inbreds, aren't they? <laughs> they counted their toes. Um, uh, we also have a, a nice little scene with Abby and Tracy. We haven't we've seen so little of Tracy recently, but this, yeah. is, a, this is a nice little it's one where... she can't um, be in it because she's only got one kidney. Yes. <laughs> um, she says... Is it hers got kidneys? She, yeah, she's, she's only yeah, got one it. kidney. She's got a Moroccan kidney. And she's she? got a milk allergy. No, that's Amy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> she says that somebody needs to stop him and Tracy says... She's got says, the genes for a milk allergy, yes. okay? That's just as bad. Tracy says that her mum were great in a crisis and Abby says it's time we we're all a bit more Deirdre and I'm sure that when whoever oh. it was wrote that line they were like, Oh, the fans are going to like this. Monday's episode was full of quotable moments. Wasn't it really, it? really was. There was another bit that um, Sally said something, and I can't remember. If you, I don't know if you've written, written it down. Uh, Sally said a lot of things. I don't know. What do you remember? What she said? No, it's, it was something. I'll, well, we'll see when we get that. Uh, aren't we good, everybody? <laughs> David shows. Adam. Sally definitely said some lines, Michael. Every, everything. I think it was Monday's. Was it Monday's episode when? Um, or maybe it was Wednesday's. I can't remember when. Um, 
Sally's talking on the phone to Tim about cooking his own tea or something. Oh, yeah. That was quite funny. Oh, we should have written him down. Oh, sorry. You, you rubbish quote at taking notes. <laughs> David goes, to, yes, because it was in this scene, wasn't it? David goes over to Adam's, uh, over to the lawyer, lawyer's office to show him his his contract. Yes. Where, which he agreed when he signed the house over to Ray. Yes. And Adam's like, well, yeah, you, did you actually read it, David? It's like, oh, my wife. She was going, she was going bonkers. I had more to worry about, and it looks like that. Yeah, there was in the fine print. It says that Ray is perfectly entitled to kick him out as long as he provides him with alternative um, accommodation. Look, so I'm gonna not much you can do it. Hold my hand up here and say, like many people. I don't read most of the things I agree to. Like, I know, but you know, we're, we're in the middle of selling our house at the moment, so hasn't this made you think twice? No, but no, but that's the point I was just about to get to, where it's like, yeah, when I'm when I'm downloading an app and it's like we're gonna we're gonna send vultures to your house to eat your corpse, I'd be like, yeah, whatever, I don't care. I just want to download Connor Street Words with Friends or whatever it is. But when you come to, like, doing something like this, you'd think you would read a little bit of it, wouldn't you? I know it's a bit boring, but you probably... I mean, I just signed up for an allotment. You better believe I read the agreement for that. <laughs> Apparently, I've got, to, I've got to give five kilograms of potatoes to the Queen every year. So who knew, knew that? Um, so he's, he's kind of stuck as David. Um, and he goes and tells Nicholas, and they argue over who gets Gail. Oh, this <laughs> was brilliant! <laughs> and then, and then, and it, David's, David's like, like oh, "I'm gonna get her high." Yeah, it's like I don't know why we're talking about this because you know it's gonna end up being me anyway. <laughs> He's like, "Why are you the golden point, Nick?" Um, so Nick then decides that maybe he better pull his finger out. Goes to see Ray and says, "You know the offer where." Um, what was it that where he said that you, you can you can have the factory and and you'll find somewhere else for yeah. me to to sew my wonder bras. me. Can we still do that? And Ray's like, no. No, of course we can't, you lunatic. Why would I... No, and then, limited time off. Then we get the big twist of the episode, which we kind of saw coming, <laughs> is that Ray does indeed have a lady in his pocket and he takes her out and buys her a drink at his hotel later. <laughs> Polly Pocket, that's what we call her. So th- this, it's the woman who um, made the decision earlier. So although that he wasn't able to um, bribe this other bloke from the planning permission last week, she's well up for bribes. And um, that's I know, what bribes is she it. getting, though? Oh, I don't know. I don't want to know. What would your bribe... I know. He'd have to pay extra for that. Mm. Um, there's there's a little scene in the, the Robbers again later where Sally warns Brian... Don't, don't feel too safe because he's going to go after the cabin next. And what is it that you said that he could... Oh, compulsory, compulsory purchase order, yeah. CPO. Yeah, yes, I thought that was a robot like... of Star Wars. <laughs> C-3PO. Uh. <laughs> where they just go, well, you can't just stay here. You can't just be the only one. Yeah. So um, so it's possible that he could be told, sorry, you've got to sling your up, mate. Oh, oh, this, this whole thing makes me really uncomfortable. I know that I'm like, oh, you know, Ray should be able to do what he want or whatever. It's not really, you know, I'm just being a bit contrary as well. But like the idea that somebody could just go, oh, I want to build a hotel here and everyone else has sold their house, so you have to move. It's really uncomfortable. Yeah. I guess I'd never really thought about it before because like I don't have a strong emotional attachment to where I live at the moment because it's it's a bit small. <laughs> so somebody came to me and went, move somewhere else, here's the money. I'd be like, thank you, that's what I wanted to do. <laughs> Whereas if I, if I thought I was living there forever and and I had all my family, oh yeah, obviously you would be very upset, wouldn't you? Yes. 
So Abby says... And, it, and the other thing to remember, of course, is that it's been Kathy and Brian's dream and their life's passion to own a corner oh, yes. shop. yeah. Their whole life. And there aren't so. any other ones. No. Um, Abby says it's time we started fighting back, which is exactly what she does on Wednesday. Um... She says, we've got to get down to business. Ty, Ty's kind of in the, in, in the mood at the beginning of the episode. He's, he, what? Sorry, I know I'm, I'm interrupting you. Um, <laughs> um, I think that they should get team up with one of these Italian towns that are selling their houses off for a pound each. You hear about these places where they're like, oh, come and live here. We need some more people. And they sell their houses off really cheap. They could all move in together as a big block and make a kind of... I don't think Little they can. I, think I hear that Weatherfield's been blacklisted in Europe after Fred tried to bribe the black pudding judges <laughs> back in 1996. You're from where? <laughs> um, anyway, Roy's also not giving up. He says this isn't fully signed and sealed yet. The, the he he gets he he's totally right. I, he was very much in character, wasn't he? He's um, all all about the paperwork and the legalities and. Um, the boring stuff, but actually... He's the kind of guy you want on your side with all yeah, the boring they've got to, The developer has got to satisfy any objection that's been made by the local community and they need to sort of 106 agreement or something or other and they've yeah. got six weeks to get their objections in. Um, and he, and what does that mean, though? Like, when they say, right, my objection is I don't want to, you to move me, what, the, what they say then... They've got to. They've got to meet your objection. I don't know. My objection. I don't go, know. I have not. Oh, go on, this. please, just move anyway. I don't know, but they have got six weeks. He thinks they're fine, and Abby's like, "No, stuff six weeks. We need to. We need to get our word out there now. We need to tell the people because I think she's realised that they only seem to have about what five, six people who care <laughs> who care out of the cast of what eight years yeah. on Coronation Street at the moment. It's just Rita showed her face for the 60th anniversary episode. She's like, Actually, now. I'm going to keep one out of this. I mean, Leanne, we haven't. She she was um well, she was sad. almost dead on sleeping pills after you know a week on her own Rita we haven't seen her for a Who month knows? almost I mean last so. year she need died from she's a probably, Christmas tree has anyone checked underneath Rita's Christmas tree this year I mean Jenny she's got, been, got her own problems hasn't she they go in and they say oh she hasn't even unwrapped her presents and there's a large woman shaped one under a blanket here I wonder what that is <laughs> she'd be sad she's missed this I do think that out of this whole Jenny story, and I know we haven't got onto this yet, I really, really, really would appreciate some Rita scenes. I, I know. know it can't really happen at the moment, can't I assume. Her? But um, it really feels like it's missing it. And Jenny is crying her little heart out. I and know. She, she needs a kind of mum, doesn't she? Yeah. I think that that would be. She was there for really, Rita. Really Where's touching. Rita for her? Mm. Mm. Still get working her way through her Christmas booze. <laughs> She's <sighs> sucking all the cures out of chocolate. Yeah. Yeah, she uh, she's taken down the Christmas tree and she found another stash underneath there. Lovely. Um, right, anyway, where Abby's do, got where her do idea. we get to? Abby's got her idea. Um, there's another funny scene with Gail and Sally where um, Sally so kind Gail, of inadvertently... Gail she's homeless, isn't she? Yeah. Gail's like, where am I going to live? Yeah, Sally, Sally, says, Sally inadvertently insults her by saying, maybe you can move to Hale Barnes. Oh, actually, no, he probably couldn't afford it. She's <laughs> quite... Sally, didn't Sally look swish in her beret? Was it on Wednesday she had that? <laughs> I couldn't cope with it because it was really... It's like, it was literally just sat on her head, wasn't it? What would you I've expect I've never seen anybody wear a hat like that before. <laughs> but you're supposed to, like, it's supposed to go on the side, isn't it? I, d- I don't know. Ask the French. 
Um, oh, I don't speak to the French. <laughs> they they go and see Roy, and Roy says, right, we're going to have a discussion for him later. And then this is when Abby oh, comes driving around the corner in a big car with a big with a trailer on the back, signs everywhere. There's like a there's a mannequin with Roy with Ray's face on and a, yeah, and a mask for some reason. Um, and she yeah she yeah she how is did doing she get that riot pro- what she a mask of someone's face printed up so professionally. I don't know. Are we going to be able to buy this in the Coronation Street TM gift shop <laughs> next year? I hope so. Do you think the writer, the, the um, production staff are saying to the writers, you've got to keep Ray in the show for at least 12 months. We've, got, we've bought 45,000 Ray masks from China and we've got to sell them and no one's going to buy them if he's not even in the show. We've still got 30,000 Tony Gordon masks and that's back from 10, Can 10, you 10 write 11 him years back ago. In it? From, you know. Can somebody start being haunted by, by him, please? Um, so she, she's having this protest and her plan is to drive through the street. I don't know whether they're going to go anywhere other than the street. Um, shouting her out, shouting out. They've got their megaphones, haven't they? They've got their tub thumping playing. That was great. Abby's calling for anyone who wants to join her to get up on the trailer with me. <laughs> Stay two metres apart, please. And I yeah. think Alina joins them, doesn't she? So they, they managed to get rally one they more troop to one their cause. And everyone else is just like looking the this other way. Pretending. <laughs> also, it's, it's too not cold. Happening. I know. It's too freezing. cold to be in a protest. It's too cold to do clap for carers. It's too cold to do the man tree exercise outside your home i'm just staying and i'm gonna become a cocoon mm. I, I agree totally um so they they abby is mostly focusing on the sex caseness of yeah. roy of ray sorry <laughs> <laughs> they shouldn't have such similar names um roy's kind of pointing out that she needs to be careful with some of her accusations like, not only could they be slander slash libel whichever one um, or um, it's also it's that's not mixing what, the message that's up not a what bit, we're actually here to protest about and uh, confused. you've got, uh, to, got to keep one central theme and he's the, just there reading out his legalese about 106 orders or whatever yeah he's not got a snappy slogan he doesn't he they doesn't well, she, she says ground. that he can't chant his, his so yeah, anyway. she's got the good chance and he's got the information. And yeah. they're refusing to communicate with one another. Mm. Um, 106, 106, we refuse to move up sticks. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. That's, what I, that's what I do. Ray comes out the bistro and he just finds this all very, very amusing. Um, <laughs> Roy says, have you negotiated a section 106? And he's like, stuff off, I'm not that's interested. That's boring. I don't know what you mean. And then old officer Craigie comes along and says, look, you're not really allowed to play loud music and rabble rays. Have you, have you got permission from the council? What a, what a square, what a killjoy Do kill you need permission tinker. to have a protest? Apparently so. Apparently so. Because Ray, um, Ray, they bring up pride, don't they? And how it's like, like oh, I thought the pride was cancelled this year. Um, and he says, well, when, when they do that kind of thing, yeah, they get permission from, from you know, the city council or whatever. What, what have you got? And, um, a megaphone. Uh, well, not for long, because Abby ends up throwing it at Craig and then gets promptly arrested. So that puts a dampener on that. Um, Anybody who was watching Coronation Street on Wednesday had to decide whether to watch this or watch the um, other protest in America. Yeah, that, was that made going it, on at the that same was going time. On at the same time. That, that, so, that made this one look a bit, you know, English, a bit minor, <laughs> a bit English. Yeah. Bunch of people going, "You're a sex case. Don't demolish my house. I'm going to throw a megaphone at the policeman." And meanwhile, <laughs> in America, they're like, "Treason! Treason! Let's bring down the Capitol building!" And yeah. uh, and 
tie up all the senators. Mm. Yeah, I didn't really compare. That's probably why you don't remember. You were, you had that. I on. was very. Gemma absorbed. was watching that at the same time as watching Coronation Street. You had that on mute, didn't it you? It was history happening in I front know. of my face, I know. and and all Abby was doing was throwing a megaphone at Craig. And she gets let off two scenes later. We don't even, we don't even see her in the police. I station, can't believe either. she got let off because she must have form for attacking policemen. Oh yeah, I'm sure she must do. But anyway. How come bloody poor Johnny gets put in prison for eight months and she's like, yeah, Craig. <laughs> she goes over to see Roy, who's proper narked at her for going OTT and yeah. going after Ray for being a sex case rather than going through the proper channels. Yeah. Um, meanwhile, David goes back home and finds that somebody's changed the locks. So he knows exactly that who's behind this. He goes round to the bistro and accuses Ray of... Doing it. Yeah, uh, and, and causing trouble. And you say, you're not allowed to do this. Well, no, and Ray's he's... like, oh, sorry, let me just check on the computer. Oh, yeah, it says that they're supposed to come here in two weeks to do that. Oh, they must have done it early. Oh, I'm so sorry, Mr. Platt. And it, yeah, he's like, oh. Well, he's just basically saying, I can do what I like with your house. He does, he finds it hilarious. And he's like, oh, well, you're here, Tim. Um, the Hale but Mar- the Hale Barnes move has been delayed. So. <laughs> Suddenly goes back to how he oh. was when he first came into the world. He yeah. said, "Yeah, due to due to monetary problems or whatever, we're going to delay actually... it up to twenty four months." Yeah, and two Funny. and half because you sold your house to me, so you've got to move now. This is exactly what happened to Audrey and um, Alf when they when um, who bought uh, Liz McDonald and oh yeah, Jim the McDonald's bought, bought their, their house. house. I'm like, 11. this does this this seems to only this happens in Coronation Street more than it should do because I don't actually know in real life that you can ever get yourself in a situation where you're literally homeless because you sold your house but you can't move in somewhere else. I hope not. I bloody hope Again, not as well. It's quite um, pertinent to us at the moment, isn't it? It's worrying me. <laughs> <laughs> well, Ray's obviously just done it to, you know... Just well, for, just to remind David who's in charge. Just for bleeps and giggles, basically. And he, I love he, he and ends giggles. up going into his office and slamming the door into his face. It's like, I'm, lo- I'm, like, I'm loving Ray at the moment. I know. <laughs> He's a sex case. You can't like him. Um, so at the end of the episode, Sally and Tim and Abby are talking about how awful Ray is and what are we going to do? Won't somebody step up to the plate? Well, can anybody what save can anybody us? What can anybody do and against Ray? And there looking like... Ooh. If only somebody had some, I've got some, some dirt on against him. him. And then that doesn't even come into it on Friday, does it? Friday's episode's just about... Well, it's nothing really, is it? They, they're, him and Abby talk about... Uh, David and Abby talk about the fact that Ray's probably bribing someone. Dev says, no, he's just schmoozing. Um, David, I loved it. I loved it when Dev was like that. Mm. Um, and then David goes to see his this alternate accommodation that Ray's offered him and it turns out that it's somewhere around by the dog and gun and it's a massive dive and Shane is like I ain't going there I'm going to get my head kicked in and having been to the real dog and gun a couple of times I can confirm yes, her, her, her concerns totally would totally correct um, so anyway David goes to see Ray at the end of the episode he says I'm not having that house and Ray says well it's tough um, and I'm not blackmailing anyone um, and if you don't leave then things could get nasty for you Nah. Well, David says you are. I reckon you are because you blackmailed me. So I'm basically like you haven't heard the last of this. Yeah, basically. So that was that was kind of a bit of a uh, to the story on Friday. It, it was kind of taken over by the Johnny and Leanne story, wasn't it? I think a lot of the stories this week they kind of got two days in the spotlight and one day off, and the, that was that was Friday for this one. But on the whole, yeah, I found this 
surprisingly quite interesting. I'm still intrigued loved, by this. To be I honest. loved the the Zoom meeting on Monday. It felt a lot more kind of community ish with everybody kind of watching it from different places. I know we mostly saw the factory, but I think there were some other people that were watching it as well. It felt, like I said, very modern and relevant having people, you know, yeah. remote linked into the into the meeting. Yeah. Um I was quite excited when the twist verdict came back of yes we can we can build a hotel because I was A not I expecting mean, a verdict yeah. straight away and B not expecting the, it to be that. The, the thing is, right, the surely the surprise in this story is not going to be that they build a hotel, but how do they get out of rebuilding this hotel? That's going to be... Well, yeah, but again, that seems like, to me, it's now going to be Ray's... I mean, Faye... Look, we got Faye, Roy and Ray all yeah. together in one story. Like they don't like podcasters. <laughs> um, Faye, I assume now, is going to have to come and say, um, he molested me. Maybe Debbie's going to hear about that and said, what? Because she's already wobbling, isn't she, about her partnership with Ray. She's not happy. She just wants to get this sign and seal. She's been putting a... She's, she's been working hard for this, hasn't she, for yeah. months. She she doesn't want to have to drop it and, mm-hmm. and feel like she's wasted the last few months of her life. And she's also put all her cash into it as well. Yeah. But I've got a feeling that Ray's going to... Faye is going to say that Ray raped me. <laughs> oh, Debbie's going to say... This is the last straw. Sorry, it it's gonna put you know my neck on the line, but I'm backing out, or I'm gonna tell everyone. I what, would hope what, that a, what a fiddler you are. Debbie would do that, but it would be very easy for her to say, "Well, it's your word against his." And when money and people's money is on the line, they they often find themselves easily swayed. <laughs> by arguments they wouldn't perhaps entertain normally. She's almost looking like she's looking for an excuse to get out yeah, for it at the moment, Debbie. I agree with you, I'm just and saying the way that, that she's um, being written I hope is that's like, not what happens. She's being written to be like, viewers, like Debbie, please, we I might know. want to keep I'm her just, in the show. She's I'm not nasty, really. It was, just a, it was just a big twist that Debbie's sister was in on it all along. Uh, De- Kevin's sister. Kevin, what did I say? Debbie's sister. Kevin's sister. The, the twist is that actually Ray is good. Debbie's sister. Because, <laughs> um, I, I mean, I can't remember. She doesn't know about the bribe, does she? I can't remember whether Ray told Debbie or not. But, in, I mean, that's easily sold. If she doesn't know, she can find out, I'm sure. Um, I think he is playing a very dangerous game. The fact that he tried to bribe the bribe bribe the planning permission guy like david said you tried to bribe me well it's not gonna stay a secret is it laying the foundations for several methods to undermine him it's only a question of how will that happen yeah i mean he's he's like i said because he's on the final furlong now he's taken more risks isn't he bit like yeah. bit like Jeff uh, was not getting a bit more desperate and um yeah it's gonna come back and bite him in the bum. Um Should we move to Hale Barnes? Sounds great. I want I kind of like if I ever win the lottery I'm gonna buy a house in Hale Barnes just because I've heard so much about it. Yeah. Invite Sally. Yeah. To come and see it. I'm gonna buy somewhere in Tokyo, somewhere in London, somewhere in New York and then somewhere in Hale Barnes. <laughs> um <laughs> So yeah, I, th- I, th- I thought that was great. I thought the protest, and I can completely see why people thought it was silly. 
But I just really got into it. Was it was a Coronation and I think, Street protest and they're always a bit silly. There's always something it, inherently weird and silly about them. I think it was because it was Abby that was, you know, front yeah, and centre of Abby. it. And I love her. And she was being totally in character. So was Roy. I found him reading through the legalese of it through his speaker sort of very much in character. I, I thought everybody was. And the thing is, if it had been, say... Brian at the front with a megaphone I can imagine not liking it and thinking it was silly but Sally Carman completely pulled it off she throws herself into everything that she gets given you could tell that she was having the the time of her life that came across in the performance and it just I just just totally bought into it ball of energy Um, it was silly that she got arrested and then got out of it I mean I suppose they just wanted to wait to diffuse the situation or to you know make a, a great cliffhanger or something um, but no, I, I, I really, really did enjoy it. Um, even though it didn't necessarily achieve anything towards the end, I suppose as viewers, we now know that this section 106 exists, but that doesn't well, sound like a juicy upcoming plot, does it? I know, this is the thing. When, when there's something the like shades that... Shades of the report. Yeah, when something like that is, is on the table, you kind of just can imagine that there's no way that... The end of the story is going to be some kind of anonymous, like, grey-haired, besuited man turns up and says, you can't do this because Section uh, 5 of the 106 order says that you can't blah, 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 and actually this building is going to be blocking out daylight to three properties on um, Inkerman Street and, <laughs> and they have right to... Wind to yeah. daylight through their window, according to section. It's not going to be any of that. Is the it? 1986 Window Act, mm. as ratified by the Parliament. So unfortunately, you're going to have to not do it. Mm. And Ray will go, oh bugger, <laughs> the Window Act again. Do you, Do you think that Roy was right to tell Abby off? Yeah, because she was she was not focused on what they were trying. She was. To she do. did have she, a bit of a personal she's vendetta. To, yeah, she's she's only really in this. Because she doesn't like Ray. I can imagine her not giving a toss, honestly, about most of it. It's because it's to do, you know, to obviously to do with the garage and, and Kevin and everything. But really, the only reason she's so enthusiastic about it is because she hates Ray. She was only going out with him for five minutes, honestly. Oh, wow. <laughs> well. It's not like he completely ruined her life. She blow up her, his car. She's really mad at him. She's, yeah. <laughs> uh, didn't she, um, I mean, he, he had her over the bowel because of that, doesn't she? So. The thing is about it is that they're not they're not objecting to Ray as a person, they're objecting to him and his plans to really develop the property. And and even if everybody were to agree, yes, Ray is a sex case, that doesn't get them anything or anywhere. Mm. Yeah. So so Ray's as, as Roy right. was saying, he's totally right, but he's yeah. such a party pooper, isn't he? I know. Right, before we move on to the next Don't story, I have got a couple logic. of things that I wanted to point out, some other things that I enjoyed about this. One, Emma's Spanish lessons. Totally unnecessary, but brilliant. Love the fact she's like, my uncle lives in Spain, I'm going to live with uncle him. Uncle Andy. And she thinks she can learn Spanish off her phone from that angry owl on Duolingo. <laughs> she's going to be intimidated by him in a few weeks' time when he that, starts lecturing her for not opening her up That was such a, a masterstroke to put that into the, into the plot. It was, as I said, completely not needed, but that was... I mean, I've been moaning recently about Emma being just, you know, having misery upon misery piled upon her. And that little moment there, it was, it was quite sketchy, wasn't it? As in sketch showy. Yeah. And um, 
that's what I love about her. And you could see it coming as well because she was standing behind the bar while some of the characters in the front were talking about it. And she was just there on her phone kind of looking at it and acting. I was like... What's, what's, what's Emma She's doing like over there? She's like moving her hands around, wasn't she? What's Emma doing? And then uh, a minute later, she comes out the front and then she's like, Dos, what, Bies, por favor, I don't speak Spanish. Um, Senors and senoritas. And uh, and then she goes off into her little thing about, oh, and what is it? And then Brian starts telling her, asking for a packet of cheese and onion crisps in French. And she's like, I've only done it's families Spanish. and greetings. Spanish, yeah, yes. Spanish, I don't even know what the language is. Really, really, really funny stuff. And I like her um, pink leopard skin mask as well. Number two, I appreciated um, the mention that Tyrone made of COVID nearly finishing the garage off. We never saw any of that, of course, but again, kept it relevant and up to date. Number three, I thought that Kathy's remarks about um, when the TV was on the blink or the sound was on the blink. And she said, oh, she had like her auntie's TV was like that. And um, her line... Uh, I knew all the moves to Pan's people. I used to watch Top of the Pops. I knew, knew all the moves that Pan's people ever did, just not the songs that they went to. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. So really, really great scripts. Only quotable lines Pan, on Monday. I don't know how famous Pan's people are. They were the dancers, weren't they, on Top they, of the Pops? Top of the Pops, before they had music videos in the UK, they'd have this dance troupe called Pan's Peoples that came and just did dances to all the, all the songs. Yeah. And they were the bee's knees. My mum said she, when she was young, she wanted to be in the Pan's People <laughs> or Pan's People. They were the thing to be. My mum wanted to be Nolan Sisters. She wanted to be up there on stage, right front centre. Cent- no, your mum was a backing dancer. Uh, my mum would be on every night and the Nolan Sisters would not be. <laughs> right, Gemma, a babes in grace. <laughs> oh, yeah. See, I, like, I thought this was really interesting. Oh, this, yeah, I thought it was as this well. This is kicking off to be a plot for the Baileys. For I know. And this is probably the first time anyone's ever got pregnant on Coronation Street and I've gone, ooh, interesting. Now what's going to happen? Exactly. Whereas it's normally it's like, oh. Yeah. I'm just thrilled that the, this is a story and there's not a snifter of issue about it. Uh, the issue is the baby is going to come and Aggie is not happy. It's the fact that the issue is um, solo parenting, maybe. I don't know, but... This is this is a soapy drama story, and I love it. And it's about Michael, who's my favourite Bailey. Aggie's been great this week. Grace, yeah, oh god, but what's what's been happening, my dear? So, uh, oh, I'm your dear. You are my dear. On Monday, Grace has been released from prison. How lovely! She goes straight to number three, and um, it's obvious that nobody there realizes that she, he, she, and Michael have been talking, or that she's expecting a child. And so Grace says that his parents need to know the truth. And he's like, I don't even know if it's my baby. We should have a paternity test. And she's like, yeah, yes, let's have a paternity test. See, all the way through, I never really doubted that this, this was his baby. No, I don't think I did as well. I, I really maybe hope... at the beginning, I thought maybe not. But from the, you know, the, the scenes that we had before Christmas, I was not really in any doubt. I really, really hope that Grace is now going to be rehabilitated into a character that is not going to be a loony liar because I don't want that to happen no I don't either I think it would be far more interesting to explore the dynamic between her and Aggie than to have like oh you can never know what Grace is saying as if it's the truth or not yeah Grace was coming across as quite reasonable for a lot of this week I think and Aggie <laughs> and was like, being the mother-in-law from hell I really don't want to make excuses for somebody who's like been lying for so long but you can I can almost imagine how she got herself in a situation where she's like I can't 
I can't Said not say that. Like, oh, every, what, how much this girl this? <laughs> the only way is to carry on lying. Anyway, so she she's like, yeah, let's do this. So they go to... Um, Clinic. Yeah. And it turns out it's going to cost 900 quid. And she's like, um, I, I've done a lot of thinking in prison. I want to apologise um, and, and tell you blah, blah, blah. But then James comes home. So she oh, has yeah. to run away quickly. They the- then they go to the yeah, clinic yeah. and he's like, I want to know now. I don't care if, even if it's more than £900. I need to know no matter what the yeah, cost. Yeah, they get their fast track results, don't they? Well, it doesn't come until Wednesday. But I, if I was Grace, this would be a warning bell to me because he's wasting money unnecessarily. £900, £1,000 to find out quickly when you know it's definitely his baby... I'd be like, you're just going to have to trust me, save that money, because you're going to need him to spend money on a pram. No, she's just desperate to keep hold of him. I think that she she realises that the sooner he knows, no, no, the sooner he'll say, yeah. I understand, but really, if she had said if she had said to him, like, I know she's, she's being a better person than I would be, because I'd be like, well, I'm not letting you spend extra money on this, because I know it's the truth, and you can come calling back to me when you, when you find out that what I'm saying is true. And it didn't cost you 900 quid to find out. She, she doesn't want to let him go now, does she? I suppose also it's quite attractive to her. He's like, I don't care the cost. I'll spend a £1,000. It means nothing to me. <laughs> She's like, oh, okay. In, anyway, also, he's been he's been selling all the cosmetics down the, down the posh gym. Oh, yeah. To the yummy mummies. So he's, he's rolling flushed. in it. He's like, Grace, while we're here, would you like some bisexual eyeliner? <laughs> That's what Gemma called it. Yeah. Oh, right, so, Wednesday, Michael's like, when's the post? When's the post? Grace comes over. It's been, it's her 20-week scan. I don't know, she's going to it. Um, yeah, yeah, so it's later to today. It. And she says um, it must have slipped my mind when he asked why she didn't know. And I suppose that did look weird. a little bit What's flaky. that about? Um, he's, so he, um, she says, look, you, you can come if you like. So the post turns up and the baby's his. He goes and finds her outside the hospital and she plays him the baby's heartbeat. Yes, that was cool. Is that a new thing? She's like, get an MP3 of the baby's heartbeat. I thought that was really cute. Don't you? Yeah, did you also hear that in Japan you can get your fetus 3D printed to be an amiibo? No, that's not true. <laughs> and it can be a character in uh, Smash Brothers. No, don't be so silly. So oh, sorry, it's a bad day, is it? So they go back to the street, and Aggie over his. <laughs> going, of course she does. What shall we do with this baby that we're gonna have? And she's like, "What did you say?" Aggie's completely going off on one, accusing accusing Grace of lying, saying it's not his, not Michael's kid. And then Michael's like, "Yes, it is. Here's the letter." And she just goes. Um, Michael comes back later and tries to explain himself to Aggie, and she's not having any of it. He says, I want to do my bit. I want to be a responsible dad. I want to raise this child with or without your blessing. And she's like, look, I'm really shocked by this. Obviously, I'm never going to forgive Grace for what she did for the life. <laughs> it's really bad. You really wouldn't forgive her for this, would you? Oh. With Tiana. Lying she about was, Tiana for a year. Exactly. It is, it's well. sad, but, you know, it's also not real. So I can kind of be a bit detached from it (laughs) so she says um you have to be the father of this child but grace can't be the mother um you have to apply for sole custody because she's a head case she's not totally wrong here that's harsh she she wants michael to get custody of the baby's soul i don't (laughs) don't think you can do that (laughs) you know i've been watching the latest pixar movie have you uh um 
yeah, she's not wrong. I mean, if you were if you were Aggie, you probably would be like, I, I prefer it if you weren't involved in any way whatsoever because you're a proven liar and maniac. And who knows anything that you said would be a lie or not. Mm. You never trust her again. I'm Friday. sure she'll come to love her. I'm sure she'll be like, I The baby's going to pop out. And, and by just at that point, Aggie's going to... Yeah, be ready to accept this baby into her life. Aggie, if all the people... Aggie's going to deliver the baby, isn't she? Oh, Everybody. yeah, and then they'll bond. Because once somebody's looked up there, they'll, they'll never the same again. Yeah, that's um, my prediction. Aggie delivers the baby. Oh, well, you should have said that in the predictions. I know, count. I just thought of it. On Friday, Ed is pleased for Michael and Grace. And I Grace, Ed doesn't get told until the next morning. <laughs> Like, I don't think it was dark like, when Michael came probably home Probably because he's saying, he says like, to Michael, like, why is your mum in a mood? She's scared to ask her. There's also a bit where she was, like, stirring something on the stove. I'm like, what's that mackerel custard? <laughs> I hope that one of the things that That's Aggie... probably why Ed didn't find out on Wednesday. It's like, I need to go to bed early tonight, my dear. <laughs> um, one of the things I hope that they clash over is how bad Aggie is at cooking. And I would love there to be a scene where Aggie gives the gives her some horrible food and she's like why is nobody saying anything why well, are you Grace eating be an this rubbish cook. that would be <laughs> tell you what there has to be a female character on Coronation Street who can cook because I hate to say this it's not typical that this many women grown women can't or won't cook food most people in this country no matter what gender they identify as can cook their own food. I, I made a pizza for my dinner tonight, everybody. I rolled out the dough and everything. Well done, If Michael. I can do it, Aggie can do it. Yeah, I think we could get, you know, could this be a, a classic Gale and Ivy kind of situation here that's brewing with the no, but, antagonistic yeah. mother-in-law? Yeah, but you see, I I thought that Ivy wasn't always in the wrong, whereas I, oh, think, no, I, I think Aggie... Um, I, I still love know, an Ivy. She's got a bit of a point, hasn't she, though, Aggie? Let's anyway, get to the, let's get on to the Friday, end, we'll um, yeah, so M- Michael says, like, you know, I'm not going to go for sole custody. I want to co-parent. And Aggie's like, I don't care. <laughs> I'm not changing my mind. <laughs> it's like, who says anything to do with you? Grace is poison. And Ed's like, you know, eh. See, Ivy in this situation would be like, you got to be both be mummy and daddy to that little kidder. Yeah. Wouldn't she? Yeah. At the bistro, Michael... Uh, see, I would have thought that Aggie might have more traditional views because... You know, for one episode, they were Christians and go to church, right? <laughs> remember that one time last year? And I'd have thought they'd been all for, you know, the, know, the proper it, nuclear family. Yeah, but it's one, it's one thing to be, like, pro, pro-nuclear pro family. But, like, if one of the parents... One of the parents of the child is, like, Satan himself, you'd be like, oh, maybe the single-parent life is for you. Mm. I don't, don't know. Think... She's, I think she's going to come round to it. I really. Get... She's not wrong. She's not wrong about this. As much you know, as crazy as she's, she's just she's. She, this is the trouble about about uh, interfamily relations with women is that it's there's so much baggage around like the mother-in-law from hell and being a, you know being a daughter-in-law and all these expectations and and things and you 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 have to live up or or. Um, deny the stereotypes that have got nothing to do with you and what your relationship is going to be like. Mm. But yet again, also, these things are based on some some universal truths sometimes about the way that women and, and how mothers interact with their sons and where do you draw the line. And, you know, in most normal relationships, you'd be 100% on 
the daughter-in-law you know like you have to draw a line she can't tell you what to do don't let the mother-in-law control you but in this case it's like Aggie's going why is nobody listening to me this woman was lying to us for a year she's she kidnapped a baby and she went to prison for it and why is everyone saying i'm the unreasonable (laughs) one just because I cook strange food. No, I do. I, I, to do I, I have it. felt sorry for Aggie. I'm really conflicted. This is what I really like about this. this I, I can see this being fascinating because they both have a point. Yeah. And, and conflict where two characters are locked in a disagreement and that neither of them are really necessarily wrong. They just have different perspectives. Yeah, I, I like it's the bit, way more I like interesting. I like the bit later in the episode where Aggie's saying, look, Michael's my baby. I know he's grown up now. <laughs> Well, he's well, what, 28, what 29 or so now? Well, he hasn't left home yet, so he's no. still my baby. They're always your baby. I'm going to worry about him. Um, uh, yeah, so so B- Michael says to Grace, I want to co-parent. She's delighted. Her face, she, you know, she was so sweet. She was really sweet and vulnerable all this week was Grace, wasn't mm. she? Because she was, you know, she's been a bit cowed by the experience and it all went out of her hand and now she's on the back foot and she needs something from them. Um, and she's also really happy because I guess she wanted to be a mum. Yeah, and, with Michael. Yeah, and so everything's kind of coming true, but it's tainted by the, the the stuff that she's done, and she can't undo it. She can only try to go forward. So she says, "I want Aggie. I want me and Aggie to start off on the right foot. I want to. I want to have it out with her, and I want everything to be okay." <laughs> and when she said this, I was like, "You, are, you are crazy. What? Why would?" no way Aggie's not gonna forgive you so Grace and Michael go to number three and they're like can can you be nice to us and Aggie's like nope I don't trust you as far as I can throw you which you shouldn't do to pregnant women <laughs> <laughs> it's alright she's only 20 weeks Grace says please give me a chance to prove myself and she's like fine mm. I don't believe she that can't... Aggie's giving her a, honestly that she's not gonna give her a fair shake she's not she kind of has to say that, doesn't yeah, she? Yeah, of course she does. Because Michael's she's gonna be, decided... She's going to be looking out for I every little be, mistake that Grace I makes I peeled now. everything she does. What, you know, let's watch everything she does. It's not... And, it, and it's like, you know, let's just make this clear. You know Aggie would be a nightmare anyway if she was your mother-in-law. Mm. But now she's got I think got it would be hilarious if Grace does go and cook this amazing meal and she serves it to Aggie and she has to, like swallow it down and she knows that this is an amazing food that her daughter-in-law is cooking it's better than the best thing that's been served in that house for you know, you know since yeah. they moved in yeah but she uh, she has to you know keep she's you know, like antagonistic this cake is nice but w- what i normally do is a marmite glaze <laughs> no i i i think you, you mileage may vary with this story and then if you're not invested in the Baileys or if you're not willing to give the Baileys a shot or if perfectly understandably you said stuff the Baileys they've not done anything for the past two years I've not built up an investment in them I can I can see you fast forwarding through these scenes but oh, they're, they're some of my favourite stuff of the week I think even if you didn't like the Baileys this is like to me feels like a bit of a new chapter mm. yeah it, it is isn't it it is I I I love how they've got Aggie like this. I I think it's quite funny how Ed's just like Whatever. he's like totally on the fence. I'm like, not I want to support Michael, but I also want to support Grace, and I also want to support Aggie. So ooh, <laughs> like he, he knows Aggie well enough by now to say I'm not. Yeah, I involved. think he. I think he's saying he supports Aggie because he doesn't want to get the wrath of yeah. Aggie later on. But it's really, he's supporting Michael. 
Um, and and he thinks that it is probably right that these two parents look after the baby. Because it, it really is like the whole thing about Tiana is going to have to become like a, a fever dream mm. <laughs> that we all had as like a, a shared hallucination because she, you know, anyone would, it would be correct to say this is a poisonous person who lied and hurt everybody. Not just the Baileys, but the parents of Tiana and Tiana herself. From, from a spectator standpoint, though, I, I can see how, like you said earlier, she just got caught up in this lie. I know, I don't want to make we've excuses. All been there. Um, but we do this for characters we like. And I, I wouldn't say I necessarily completely like Grace, but it was one of these things that you're like, oh, it's just one of those misunderstandings that got out of hand. Mm. And it did have a really great twist when <laughs> it, it was revealed it was last year. I've got, I've got an awful lot of, um, I give the story a heck of a lot of leeway because of how much I love that twist and yes. it was real. And also it doesn't really hurt that I think that Aggie and Michael are two of the most re- well-regarded Baileys. I yes, think. I would say so. I mean, we personally really like Michael and, and I like Aggie too. I like I like all of them. No, have you, well, have James we, we haven't mentioned James this part. What does James think about what... I think we football. all know what James thinks about oh, I this, hope it's a he? boy I can teach him football. <laughs> Yeah, keep him out of it. Send him to London. Yeah. Um, the only other thing I was wondering about this was, um, I wonder if there's going to be any financial consequences coming out of the fact that he paid extra for these fast track results, particularly because he's doing all this, you know, pyramid scheme, Avon calling or anything. Well, they just like seem to said, make a big thing I'm about how much more it was going to be. A bit flippant about this, but I genuinely think... And I understand, like, I've had to wait for test results for things, not for being pregnant, but for medical things. (laughs) And I would have wanted to pay money to find out faster, yes. But it's not a clever thing to do when you're about to have a baby. Mm. Spend a grand. Yeah. I know what you mean. I mean, I pay more when I go to the chemist to get my prescription quicker. (laughs) Do you? (laughs) No, I said I, I would oh, want to. I was going to say. But I don't want to wait 10 minutes. The pillbox is just behind you over there. around <laughs> and get it off the shelf. <laughs> Listen, I, before anybody says anything, I understand it's more complicated than that. My friend is a pharmacist. But you've got to admit, it's kind of annoying. It's very annoying. <laughs> um, anyway, good stuff, good stuff. I'm, I'm interested to see more Grace because, I mean, last year she felt like she was a character that was not going anywhere. It really it feels, feels like this yeah. is the start is she of something a permanent... new for her. I, I was going to say know. staff member then. She's, she's, she's like, like Debbie, like uh, Elaine, I don't think she's a regular, as it were. She's, I hope she does, turns so. into one. I mean, you know, uh, we often say on current, on this, the podcast, because we looked into it, and I don't know, we haven't done it recently, but if you look at all the pregnancies that ever happen, there's a 50% chance in the show that the baby will be born. Um, I'm not in anticipating tragedy. I'm not. No, I'm not. I hope that. I I think they would be really stupid to do that Mm. because there's so much potential here and we really don't need to see Michael upset again. Gemma, am I hearing you right? Potential for a baby and pregnancy I said this to you. I said this right at the beginning. This is probably literally the first time I've ever heard a character on Coronation Street is pregnant and gone, ooh, this could be good. Did we have a... I don't know what we thought when Leanne got pregnant with Ollie and it was and the baby was secretly Steve. Cause I remember that was, quite, was that was quite an exciting reveal when yeah, Steve it, said that Ollie was his. Wasn't yeah, it? but that. But once that happened, it was like, mm. Mm. so kill him off. <laughs> <laughs> right, uh, another storyline that I loved 
despite the tragic bittersweetness of it, was Evelyn Leaving, Evelyn Leaving, um, which we didn't get any of today. But um, yeah, it was was just fab on Monday and Wednesday. And yes, I know there was the whole thing about he's off to Canada, come to Canada with me. We're going, you know, in a couple of hours' time. Pack up your bags in a tiny suitcase. Let's go. Very silly, but. Um, yeah, I, I I was well into this, partly because of um, the fantastic performances by Maureen Littman and Paul Copley. So what happened was, on Monday, Evelyn's still reading this book that... Uh, Evelyn's reading. E- Evelyn's reading the book that Thingy left her, that Arthur left her. And when Dev's asking her about it, she's getting all knocked off and evasive and everything. Because she's trying to hide the fact that she's quite enjoying this present that was given to her by her... By, by this boyfriend, yeah, who who has been lying to her all this year, yeah. Oh well, so she thinks. So um, she goes into the cafe later, and then when Arthur pops in, he she tries to make a hasty exit, and he he managed to get a talk in for a little bit. But when he sees that she's uncomfortable with him being there, um, he leaves, and she's looking regretful because she really does want to talk with him. Um, she sees him coming out of the florist with flowers later this and says, great... I don't want any soppy romantic gestures. She thinks that I, she's bought those for him, doesn't she? Um, he's bought them for he's her. He's bought them for her. Um, and, and she strops off. Leave the, me the alone, she says. The script was really, really good on Monday. It really, really, really was great stuff. Um, and then, oh yeah, then Evelyn's in the Rovers later. George comes in. This is when they're in the middle of talking about Dev's cactuses that he's got in the gar- in, in his bathroom, doesn't he? And they... And, and Happy. She, she, yeah, Happy's scratch. No, I'm scratch first. And um, they talk about having a droopy cactus and fight, feeling a small prick when you go in. It was like oh. really silly, but the delivery was brilliant. I and said then it was George, good script. George comes in and he thinks that he's been called a small prick, I think. But he's um, clearly, he, he's being quite dismissive of Evelyn. And it turns out that the reason that Arthur was having his, getting his flowers on uh, earlier on was because he's burying his wife today. He doesn't have anyone to hold his hand. Shocker. I think probably the confusing part was that he was walking around with a bouquet and generally you would give a wreath. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Well, um, I, I didn't see this coming. Would have been a bit of a giveaway. I, I knew it's, if, it, she had, if he had had a wreath in his hand. It though. seems like it was, you know, inevitable that the wife would die at some point. But um, I was quite surprised when it happened so soon. Um, Evelyn goes back to the cafe and asks Roy if he knew about Beryl dying. And he's like, he, he did, but he didn't think it was his place to tell her. But now he says, look, you need to go to Arthur. He needs you. So she arranges to meet Arthur later. He comes round to her house after the funeral. And a, a more more great script where she's talking about the weight being the best bit and everything. She, um, she goes Didn't off... she do like a little mini... Wake for him. She can't. Didn't she, she have food on the table? And... She does. She's got some little sandwiches and and pork pies and and things. She goes. She goes off to Deb's to go and get some things. So they they they've got all that and they settle down together. He loves that she's got the, this book. What was it called? Age of Innocence. Age of Innocence. And he kind of reads the blurb and it's um, it, it seems to mirror the situation that they're in basically about. Um, that's why I was so surprised when she was surprised when he said, well, let's go to Canada. Because if she read to the end of the book, that's exactly how it ends. Is it? No, I don't know. <laughs> he drops the bombshell on her. Um, uh, I'm blowing this popsicle stand. I'm off to Canada. I tell you what, isn't it convenient that his wife's dead then? I mean, I don't imagine that this was a lot. He must have had this booked for ages. And he, he might be went in there with Surely a pillow. Surely you can't emigrate just, you know, just like this. you got a, you got a plan weeks in advance. Surely. They just phone up. What's it? Uh, is it Justin Trudeau? 
Yeah. And they go, my wife's died, can I come back? And they're like, yeah, sure, why sure not? Sure you can, guy. <laughs> come back in. <laughs> um, sorry. That's what sorry. Justin Trudeau Ah, Arthur. Ah, do you We'd love to have you. Why don't you bring that Maureen Lipman with you? She's fabulous. <laughs> he says, come with me, Evelyn. I'm going later. I'm going next episode. Surely that's enough time for you to pack up all your things. And don't worry about your dog. Yeah, we'll be able to put Cerberus on. It's too cold for rabies in Canada. Um, Anyway, it's so sweet. It's it's like the whole whole story with them, wasn't it, was that he moved to Canada back in, whenever it was, 60s, 70s, and she wasn't there to see him off, so he thought that... She She didn't love him. She, yeah, dumped him or whatever. So now it's like a, we can make up for all this time together we should have had. And poor Beryl, she's barely cold. This is what I wouldn't, (laughs) wasn't happy too much about, really. It's like, he's like, well, you know, I moved on a while ago. I mean, he was trying to get into Evelyn's tent not a few months ago, wasn't he? I don't like, I think, honestly, Coronation Street, sometimes you have to ignore some of the plot twists. Like... Grace was lying about Tiana, but you still got to trust her now because she's super serious about this baby now. Okay, she's not going to lie anymore. And like, like the plot twist about Arthur's like, oh, I've got a secret wife who's going to die. Um, but don't don't let the fact that I don't seem to have any emotional attachment to her whatsoever sort of make you think I'm a bad person mm. because I'm Arthur Coulter. <laughs> <laughs> Arthur Medwin. Arthur Medwin. Um, he. Speaking of Grace, I'm I'm sure that at some point in this story, she is going to have a little lie about something that Aggie's going to catch her out oh, on. Oh, probably. Like, she's going to Oh, I told you, Michael. And, uh, Do you think she's going to be creepy and say, let's call her Tiana? Oh, right. Uh, That'd be scary. Um, right, so I, I just... I yeah, loved, let's go to Canada, loved please. loved Maureen and Paul's performance in it. Just, the, he was looking so excited about it and she, the looks that she was giving, which was half kind of hiding her excitement about the idea like, of doing this flit. Very Regretful kind of, about mm. going and saying no. And then when he goes, she kind of gives it... She's just brilliant. She's got some really great expressions. So, like, so She's good. so flustered and, yeah. like, it's kind of, like, girlish, kind of, it like, was, flirty. It was, it um, yeah, not, not sure of her stuff like an ingenue. And, and I was watching it going, I love this, but I hate it because I did not know that this was going to happen. And I, I kind of, I wanted Evelyn and Arthur to get together and be a proper couple. And when he, when Arthur, back? I don't know. And when Arthur came back, when was it? It was only last week. I thought, brilliant. I thought we'd seen the last of Arthur, but now he's come back and they're on to stage two of their relationship. And it's like, no, no, you pulled it away from me. Just Why? As, just as I was warming up to it again. Well, come on, so tell me sad. what happens the next day. Well, what happened, Shannon, was this. Um, she she kind of drops this possible emigration bombshell on Tyrone. Well, what do you think, Tyrone, about it? And he's obviously a bit taken aback by it as get well, as you would be. Get a bedroom back, but I get rid of my free babysitter, so I'm conflicted. Yeah. Um, and he's he she says do, do you like and he says to her do you like Arthur do you love him and she's like none of your business which was great <laughs> totally in character kind of would help me help he you says make look you need to do whatever you think is right but um, if you uh, obviously well she's like I hope Gran or Nana or whatever he calls her that if you 
that leaving the family would be, you know, on your list of cons when you're thinking about whether to go or not, whether to weigh up, which is like, of course. But he says, if it is, don't let that stop you. You need to do what's going to make you happy. Lovely stuff. I love it. I love Tyrone. I love Evelyn. Um, so she... <laughs> I, just, oh, I, I love this family. Really, really love I tell you what, I Evelyn's love, the best thing that happened to love, the... Love, 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 number Hope 13. State, no, oh, Dobbs States for a while. Yeah. Uh, more Probably of them since they place. got together, to be honest. Um, yeah, that little end of the street with Dev and with Tyrone and they're Kurt having a renaissance. Totally, yeah. Um, anyway, she um, she goes over to the tram stop later, and Arthur's there with his tiny little bag. I don't know what he's got in there. Well, I hope he has not maple syrup. Hmm? Why would you take that to Canada? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and he, he probably, he's got, hopefully he's got his thermals on because they're probably under about ten feet of snow at the moment. Aren't they? Wonder what bit of Canada he's going to. Don't want alien. French alien. Canada. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, where are you? I'll come with you. Great, we're going to go to Quebec. Okay. Change my mind. She's, she, and, oh, he looks so happy to see her oh. coming out to him. But then he's like, oh, you haven't got your luggage with you, have you? And she's really sorry, but she she's says. Like, I'm going to buy it there. She, she, he <laughs> says, can't, it just wouldn't work. Um, oh, Tyrone no. said, do what makes me happy. And what would make me happy is staying here with my family. Oh, but I don't <sighs> know I had until recently, but never mind. Also, my dog. Yeah. Because he's if she like... Hadn't met, if she hadn't met Tyrone like two, three years ago... She then, would be there. And she had walked... Yeah, she had met him. She'd be right over there. It's well, tragic. it's so tragic. I hope that she doesn't, you know, live to regret and blame Tyrone in the back of her head. I just thought it was so sweet. And, and a lot of people I've seen have been against the mellowing of Evelyn... But I thought that when she was came when she first came into the show, she was too she, nasty. She, she and was. I've, I've loved the softer red she's given, and the fact no, sometimes. it wasn't. And the the fact that she's still you know snappy and blunt. She I think they do it. they I do need to it. give her a few more of those lines and scenes because she is in danger of just becoming a nice old lady that sometimes says mean things rather than. A mean old lady that sometimes says nice uh, things, which is what I prefer. I don't think I'm not. I'm not worried okay. about that. I, I think I think they've different got a really opinions. Good balance, then. really, really good balance. Yeah, I think it is. Anyway, the moment. what I'm saying is that you know she couldn't. You know, in this story, I'm totally fine with with how they've done it, but mm. they need to not stray too far from the Evelyn formula. Yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, he he goes. She almost has a cry. Brilliantly done again. Um, and then she goes and tells Tyrone, and <laughs> she says, "So, some, what does he say? He says something about not him not forgetting her." And she's like, "Well, you know, some women are quite unforgettable. It's a curse, but it's our cross to bear." This reminds me of. Um, <laughs> and then she tells him to pull himself together when he starts saying something soppy. This reminds me of Blanche telling um, Ken and Deirdre that good looks are a curse. Yeah, yeah. And they don't have to worry about. <laughs> you it. should consider yourself lucky. <laughs> um, Brilliant final scene as well, where she goes to see Roy, our old pal Roy, which there's not going to be any romance with it. I think we were wondering be. about it at the time, but he, she wants to go for a walk with him. And so as long as you don't bore me senseless with talking about your, your squirrels nocturnal mating habits, and then he starts going off about squirrels. It's like, not actually, you might be surprised. It was He goes off on some nerdy monologue, and, and it was all... Great, great, great character stuff at the yes. end of the episode. Really where, good. Um, yeah, he was just being oblivious to the fact that she didn't care about it. But she's also, <laughs> you could tell she was also thinking, oh, this this is where I belong. I've she's got like, friends here. She's like, you can't get here. this in Canada. Like, that's just my little flight of fancy <laughs> with Arthur. It was my, you know, my fairy tale. It wasn't Aww. real life. 
Do I, I really honestly think he'll be back? I do. I think that he'll be back. But the thing I is, don't. because of the COVID restrictions about older cast members, it would. I mean, well, you know, in six months' time, I, I you come back and go bloody nippy there. I can't risk getting my heart stamped upon again. I banked on Yan coming back for Eileen. Why they can't they catch a break? Yan back. The women of the street. What is wrong with the writers? They hate them. So <sighs> mean. They'll so, never find true love when they're on the show. Right, Coronation Street writers, if you bring Arthur back, I will forgive you for keeping Yan in Poland during this time. <laughs> but only if you could bring him back. One, least, one or the other. Why can't they have a happy ending? See, please. at least, the thing is, to me, at least I'm thinking, you know, no characters could have been in the show forever apart from Ken. You know, there's always going to be an exit point for every character. Yeah. At least this would give Evelyn, when, if, if Maureen Lippman yeah. decides to leave, at least she can be like, I've thought about it and I'm going to go to Canada. Mm. I mean, I, I know, I know that Maureen Lippman is not going to stay with the show forever, is she? Every every time she gets her contract renewed, it's a blessing to an awful lot of I Coronation Street viewers. I don't think Street it viewers. will be Coronation Street's decision if she if and when she leaves. Imagine the I'm going to get rid of Maureen Lippman and Ken Barlow. Yeah. I mean, William Rich. <laughs> um, no, it, uh, so every, every scene that she's in I'm just like soaking in and appreciating because I, I, I love her she's so, so much so good um, Evelyn I, 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 it's just it was so bittersweet I, I, I loved it yet hated it this week and just because I didn't want to see them split up I loved this, mm. the, the idea that this time she house. was there to see him goodbye yeah. it was like mirroring the situation when they were younger not that we saw it of course it would have been maybe more impactful if we had but um yeah. Can't follow everyone around. Loved it. It was. It was very. It was very convenient. It was that very his wife Corrie. Died. It was very. It was Corrie. very silly that he's decided to just now. leave and go. Um, but uh, and then that's that... another criticism that I've seen people saying, and and I'm I'm almost just past that. That's become such a what? ridiculous tropey cliche that well, if you you're going to emigrate, you just go. <laughs> and uh, I don't even. Th- I don't, it doesn't even register to me. This that, is probably I know I've mentioned partially it, never been, but. why Brexit got through in this country. Because we think no matter what, it seems to me there's a certain kind of person who lives in this country that thinks that we're all of like superior stock and any country in the world would cream their pants to have somebody from Britain come and live there. Mm. Like, no, I don't... Actually not, no. Actually, most places, you have to have a pretty good reason to want to move there, even if you are from Britain. <laughs> they won't just let you in. They don't roll out the red carpet and say, oh, yeah, Lizzie said you were cool, for <laughs> Yeah, I, I think... When you were, you were saying earlier that you wanted to see more of the... Um, the old Evelyn back a little bit more, giving her a bit of a harsher edge, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if she might get a bit bitchy. Yeah, after this, she's she's opened herself up, and now she's she's lost, you know, the chance for happiness. I think that I she's going to be a bit more be of a closed book again. I think this is more of a case of loved and lost than never loved at all. You know, I think she's yeah. going to be quite philosophical about it. She certainly had a choice. Yeah, and I think you know, perhaps. It was, you know, uh, it wasn't completely Tyrone and the rest of it. It's also like, you know, it's a romantic story, but they really don't know each other that well. And I don't think I'd, you know, volunteer mm. so quickly to be an old man's nursemaid because th- that's probably one of the other two, one of either one of them is going to end up having to mm. look after, and it won't be that long. 
No. I don't want to be mean. <laughs> they are both quite old. Is what and women saying. generally live longer than men. Mm. So mm. really, she should have thought about that, okay? She Maybe should have she been did. like, get myself in the will, wait for him to drop. I get, I get, what's the wife and the husband stuff? What's the, um, what's the medical <laughs> care situation like in Canada? I forget. Um, I don't know. Don't know. Leave a man in the it's, snow. It's, America is the only, like, civilised country that doesn't have health care. Oh, right. Then. Isn't it? They yeah. have, they have socialised health care. Okay, fine. Where they just, where uh, rich people have to have to pay for poor people to get boob jobs, mm. just like they do in this country. Right, let's let's move on, Gemma, the lonely, lonely story. Lonely. <laughs> lonely, yes. Leanne, on Wednesday... Oh, by the way, I didn't realise that all the stuff with Simon and Kelly kind of belonged in this story on Wednesday, so I've got everything else that's not related to that first, and then I'll pop the Simon and Kelly stuff at the end, and it all merges together on Friday. Continue. I'll say it now because otherwise I'd be saying it all the way through. I hate Kelly. <laughs> we know. My chest. We know. I know you know, but I've got to say it. I oh. just can't stand her shaved eyebrow. I, no, that's a mean thing to say because you don't know why it's like that. Because she wants to look No, cool. it, she might have a scar on her face or something. You can't say that. I you don't know why she's got that. I'm, I, I, I don't really love Kelly. I, I don't despise her as much as you do, and, and I am willing to give her a chance. Um, I mean, was it, on the, it might have even been on the Predictions podcast this week where you said, let's give so-and-so a chance for, uh, for 2021, and I'm kind of thinking that for Kelly, only because I kind of think that it looks like we might have to do that. But I've seen some people online thinking that she's the best thing sliced bread since uh, sliced bread, and out of all the teens on the street, she's the shining star no. of it. And I'm thinking, I, I don't see it yet. She's a yet. dad. Don't, I don't see it yet. She might blossom, but yeah, she's. She, she just seems to me to be a mean girl mm. who's pretty and thinks everyone else is stupid because they're not pretty like she is. Yeah, and I went to school with too many girls like that to like Kelly. I suppose so. She's like, oh, I'm so cool and pretty. She's like the sort of girl that would sneak off and like smoke and think she was cool and have like vodka in her school bag and to make fun of you because you did your homework. Mm. You can tell I was a nerd. Why, why, at why is she friends with Summer again? I oh, don't yes, understand. It's because Summer's had a personality transplant. It's because <laughs> Summer's. There was that thing in tonight's really episode. If you, do you remember the scene? I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to listeners. Yes. You remember the I scene know. where Summer and Kelly are walking down Victoria Street and they see the ambulance there outside of uh, Victoria Court. And, um, I looked at it and went, ha, I just wondered who that girl was for a minute. You did. And there was like five seconds in, you were like, oh, yeah, I, I, th- oh, I forgot who that girl was then. And then it took me and another five... And you looked fi- at me, and I was like, like, what? Who is it? Is that and then you carried on typing. Five, literally, five seconds after that, I was like, oh, it's oh, summer. It's summer. <laughs> so we were a good, like, ten seconds into that scene before I even realised that, that that was summer. I'm sorry. Oh, I... You know, you know what I think about the new summer. But if the, if they couldn't have made her less summer-like in personality, looks, attitude, any way, if they'd tried. Was summer? Were summer and Kelly friends when summer had a different face? Um, I just can't they, imagine they summer moved in being similar circles with Kelly. as in the circle of all the teens on Coronation Street. I'm sorry, but but Kelly's the sort of girl who'd be beating Summer up outside of school because she looked at her when she got something wrong in maths. I know. I don't. I just don't get it. Oh. 
So, Wednesday, Leanne gets a message from Simon, like, how's France? I want to talk to you. And she she doesn't, so she phones up Dr. Gaddis. And Dr. Gaddis, um, she's like, oh, please help me, I need drugs. And Dr. Gaddis is like, I kind of want to see you first. And Leanne's like, no, no, no one can see me. I hope um, listeners like us, that when we saw Dr. Gaddis appear on screen on Wednesday, you gave the, the Gaddis whoop, whoop. Yeah, it's the Gaddis alert. Yeah. Look, there she is. Everyone else... Don't can you I just, just say, love it when they drop oh, a surprise Gaddis on me you? Me too. And I have to say... happen very much. In Coronation Street, the cast are having various degrees of being able to cope with the ongoing hairdresser situation. Some people, you can tell, need to trim. And we're too... You know, we're not going to say who. <laughs> you can tell for yourself. Some people, <laughs> you know, are sort of coping quite well. I guess they've got their own scissors at home. Dr. Gaddis... It looked like you'd had a haircut. Dr. Gaddis looks like she's got her own, like, personal salon somewhere where they just wait for her to come in. And like, Dr. Gaddis is here! Quick, quick, quick! Everyone get the hairspray! Everyone get the scissors! Go, go, go! You know what I mean? She, she is a doctor. She just looks perfect all the time. She's she amazing. She is awesome. She, she only comes in it once every two months. And it's like... She makes it. It's like you can smell her as well. Like, she's... She smells expensive. <laughs> like, she wafts in, like, hi, everything's fine now. Dr. Gaddis is here. Like, I'm like, oh, please, prescribe me something, Dr. Gaddis. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> she says, I want to see you. She, she, also, she sees Simon outside the shop, and he says to her that Leanne's in France, and she's like, something's wrong about this. I love seeing just, I just love seeing Dr. Gaddis outside the shop. It's like, oh, what's she going to buy? <laughs> she doesn't just live in the surgery. She goes in. What she do? She's like, get me a bottle of vodka, 20 condoms and a packet of fags I'm having a time tonight. <laughs> she could, oh man. If there's any, any I'm a spin-off cool, I'm, I'm a wanted, cool doctor. Any spin-off I've wanted more than Dr. Gaddis, Dr. Gaddis and Moira. I don't, I, just, I don't know. Dr. Gaddis and Moira, The Secret Online Adventures. Oh, how fun would that be? You get, get Moira like being the sake, like, um annoying receptionist who's always trying to block Pierre from getting appointments and Dr. Gaddis come out and go we haven't had anyone all day what's going on she's like no one's good enough to see you Dr. Gaddis <laughs> There's, they're either too sick or they're not sick enough anyway <sighs> she goes Moira. to make a house call does Dr. Gaddis and sees the state of the flat she's concerned about Leanne Leanne doesn't Leanne doesn't she's like I just want to sleep I just want to sleep Leanne's in a dump isn't she she's, she's been living in, in her dumps, own filth literally. for the past fortnight yep She's having a good old cry. And it was, don't know why you, how you've suddenly got so high and mighty. That's what a house looked like 24-7 before <laughs> we had people coming around to look at it. So, um, Leanne opens up about the fact that Nick's moving out and Dr. Gaddis is like, aren't you supposed to be in France? And Leanne says, I just, I can't function as, as a mother. I didn't want to be around, around Simon. Yeah, her, her thing is that she can't sleep, isn't it? She, she, can't, she can't sleep... She she wanted to do Simon a favour. She, she she can't look after Simon, so she Well, she's thinks... like, she's grieving. She can't yeah. cope. And so Dr. Gaddis gives her some Zolpidem. Yes, that's right. I, I, I looked this up afterwards. What is it? It, is, well, it? it said it was medicine that was prescribed for, for sleep. <laughs> it's nothing that exciting. <laughs> they didn't make it up, basically. Okay. 
And she says, I want you to come to this surgery tomorrow for an appointment and you need to tell Nick and Simon where you really are. I think what it really is, is Leanne's the only one that's been watching the news and realises that we're supposed to be on lockdown. Yeah, she's like, yes. Have you seen what's going on? Boris said I had to stay here. There's a pandemic. I was going to go to France and then I went to book with EasyJet and they laughed at me and said we weren't allowed to go anywhere. Yeah. She yeah, she lives she's like fallen through to another p- parallel dimension mm. that we live in. Yeah. Oh, I hope Dr. Gallus falls through as well. <laughs> <laughs> so, um Leanne goes to fall asleep on the sofa. It's quite weird because it's like she's too sleepy to to operate, but she has to take the pills first. Yeah. So she's sleepy before she takes them. Maybe she should have just has she tried going to sleep Let without nature them? Take its course. Well she knocks the pills over um, as she falls oh, yeah. asleep. C- classic suicide um, table there, wasn't it? With the pills scattered. Yes. So, um, she, yeah, she scatters the pills and falls asleep. Simon gets a a text and he phones her up and leaves a worried sounding message. Yeah, Leanne, Leanne texts. Her. I think Leanne. Yeah, Leanne texts him <coughs> before she goes off to sleep. So he phones her up. I thought and... it was Simon texting her and not getting a response. I don't think so. Oh, I don't know. I don't know, but anyway, he he phones her up and he leaves a a worried sounding message on the answer phone saying he misses her. Oh, he loves his dear old mum, doesn't he? Don't let Kelly find out; she'll laugh at you and call your mummy's boy probably. Um, Kelly is bashing at the furniture shop door at some point on Monday. They're going to speed Wednesday. Wednesday, they're going to speed dial together, and Kelly's calmed down, but she's anxious about the fact her dad's probably dead, and she she knows of all the stuff that he's been up to and the rumours and things and they've had a really difficult time and she's got foster parents and she has to go for a curfew there but they agree to meet up again tomorrow like a kind of date. Yeah, so Ke- Kelly... Is this the, I, can't, I don't know whether this is the first time that Kelly and Simon have had scenes together but um, it seemed that she found it amusing that Simon had been a bit naughty in his past She's like, I, I can't believe this. What are you, Simon? Mischief You're not cool like me. Yeah, you're a massive square. You're a nerd. Um, um, I think um, it's there's definitely a bias I have uh, against children who have grown up on Coronation Street versus child actors who've come in as like a slightly older teen character because Kelly and Simon, I'm like, Kelly, you molester. He's a baby. How could you want to date him? But I guess they're similar ages in the show. Um, I think that Simon Simon's older because Simon's seventeen, but Kelly's sixteen, and See, actually the actress who plays Kelly is that age. So and and Alex Bain is is older, isn't he? I think. Yes, yeah, so he is completely. He's grown up, grown up on head. the show. I'm like, no, leave him alone, you monster. <laughs> so on Friday, Leanne's drugged up on the sofa. Nick can't get her on the phone. Toya says, "Don't worry about it. She's in France. Everything's fine." Nothing bad happens in France. Yeah, so it seems that people have been talking to her and she's just happened to be have to she pretend. She just put on a French accent yeah. when she answers the phone. No, nobody's thought to... Oh, can you put Eva on the phone? Yeah. You'd have thought that Toya might want to speak to what Eva. If you, yeah, can I speak to so-and-so? What have you been doing today? And now's like, oh, we bought a baguette. I guess she must have just been making excuses. Lying is what she's been doing. Simon's got all dressed up in his best shirt and bathed in aftershave. He goes into the cafe. Uh, Shona comes in. She's like, poo, you smell. You need to go and change and you need to get your mum to get you another shirt. 
So no, he, no, no. He says that he's got two good shirts. Yes, and one he's wearing one. One of them is in one. the Rovers, and the other one's in Leanne's house, which is why he has to go around. Yeah, to well, she says change, and he says I have to go to my mum's to get me other shirt. So he goes in and finds Leanne on the on the sofa, and it was really funny because they can't touch each other. So he was just standing <laughs> yeah. at completely the opposite end of the room, going, "Leanne, mum, yeah, mum, wake up! How many pills have you taken over there? I can't come and comfort you." The paramedics come in and say, have you checked for a pulse? He's like, are you stupid? I'm not allowed to touch her. I poked her with a ruler. (laughs) So, um, yeah, he... He he phones Nick, can't get through, gets the ambulance. He yeah, thinks yet, yet again, there seems to be a bit of a, a nasty habit that people on Coronation Street have that they phone somebody else before they phone the relevant emergency services in these sort of situations, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So he's phoned up Nick, then he phones the ambulance. He, he basically thinks that Leanne's tried to top herself. Yeah. I mean, exhibit A... Pills scattered on the table, exhibit B, woman passed out on the sofa. It doesn't really take a genius to put them two together, does it? Thank goodness for Simon. <laughs> what did he? No, he didn't get his GCSE results, so they did it because he's a year older. His mocks, I mean. Well, would anyone be getting them? No, they wouldn't, would they? What? Results. Well, it's just the mocks, isn't it? The mocks that they They're were still supposed having to, have done to do Christmas. mocks. Well, they did them before Christmas, didn't they? I don't know. The exams. I thought everything had been cancelled forever. No. Everyone gets an A. No, current... um, But it's a trick, because we don't give out A's anymore. The exams were cancelled relatively recently. Coronation Street wouldn't have known. No, of course they wouldn't know. Um, So, Leanne wakes up in hospital, and she's like, no, I wasn't trying to kill myself. I only took two, and also, guess what? I'm not in France. (laughs) (laughs) I never even left. Surprise! And that was a cliffhanger. It's like, yeah, we know. We saw you. <laughs> I know. That was a really stupid, that was a really weak cliffhanger to the... I, can't I was never in France. Dun, dun, dun. That's weird because I thought there was an exact replica of your flat in France that you were in this whole time. I was confused. Um, meanwhile, Kelly thinks she's been stood up. Oh, yeah, Kelly. Leanne, oh, yeah. Leanne's been let out without treatment. She said, apologises to Simon. Um, Nick... Sam, what? My notes make perfect sense here. Nick with Sam and Battersbeeb with their fostering has made her hate them. <laughs> what does that mean? She just says, look, I couldn't cope with the fact that Nick's looking after his, his oh. new son. Couldn't cope with the fact that Imran and Toya were going on with their fostering job. And then I hate myself. Then I want to disappear. Then I just get sad. Then I sit on my sofa and then I phone the doctor. And I've just been I'm sorry, Simon. sitting in a cloud of my own cries and farts for two weeks. I'm really sorry. Um, Summer, Summer tells Nick that she saw an ambulance outside Victoria Court. He phones Simon because he got a missed call. Kelly thinks she's being stood up. Nick sees her, knew that they were going to have a date and says, well, I, I don't know why you haven't seen Simon because he had flowers earlier. Simon and Leanne get home together. I saw him buying a packet of three earlier. I thought you thought you were in there, my son. <laughs> No, we'd be talking to Kelly. My daughter. Future daughter-in-law. <laughs> hopefully not knocked up anytime soon. Um, so they get home. She says, don't tell anybody I w- I'm here. Nick comes in and she runs away, like, into the bedroom, like, whoa, don't tell anyone. Um, and then she, Paul... she doesn't do it completely silently either. I mean... She's like, boom, boom, boom. I think, I think maybe Ben Price should have waited a little bit longer to walk into the room. Well, or the director should have told to him do. to wait. He's got stuff to do after this scene. Um... He comes in and Leanne stitched Simon up. He's like, what is going on in here? 
Yeah, he's like, oh, why it's is me. there bowls of wine everywhere? And <laughs> someone's like, I just needed to calm my nerves. It's like, don't don't become an alcoholic like your dad, will you? What's like the girliest drink that Leanne could have been swigging and Simon have had to be going, yeah, it was me. Um, it's uh, Cosmopolitan. <laughs> they probably found and, all the uh, DVD boxes of all the sloppy rom-coms. And <laughs> <laughs> the notebook, I love it. <laughs> Simon, after a long, hard day at school, Simon likes to come home, open a bottle of woo-woo and watch the notebook on DVD and cry into his... Yeah. Woman-sized Kleenex. <laughs> so, and, your, and your washing bin's overflowing with, with bras, bras and pants, Simon. What is going on? <laughs> Simon has to say, oh, God. Oh, yeah, how much would he have had to have uh, made up to cover that? <laughs> Look, it's okay for him to explore beyond the limited boundaries of gender norms, yeah. Michael. Men can have woo-woo and cosmopolitans and enjoy classic rom-com movies about is it time travel in the notebook or is it just writing letters i don't know i'm a man (laughs) of course you are um he's like what's going on and simon has to take the blame and say you know i was just stressed so i had some wine i don't know why nick's okay with this but no, he's not. He's like, he's like don't tell. I'm no, not he says tell your dad's mom. an alcoholic. Yeah, well, he's well, he's Stop not boozing. as cross as I would have been if I'd come into a house and there was a teen boy standing there with empty alcohol bottles everywhere and mess all over the place. I might have had a bit more of, to say to him. His brother's just died. He's just letting off steam. You can't start off like that because you just end up doing it for years. So he um, he's like, oh, I chickened out of the date with Kelly, and he's like, look. I think I think Nick's like I don't actually care just tidy up <laughs> and and um, we'll say no more about it yeah I won't tell anybody he leaves Leanne comes out and she's like oh thanks Simon and Simon says I'll look after you then Kelly phones Simon up and he pretends to be ill and says I'll make it up to you and some and she and Summer are talking on the phone and and Kelly's being really dismissive because she thinks she's been stood up and I think if I think Kelly looks like she kind of doesn't know what to do and it's Summer who shakes her head when Simon says can we you know make up we do want to meet up again and Kelly follows Summer like she's suddenly the leader of the Mean Girls yeah that's really weird. I don't know why Kelly would ever take orders off Summer. No. Especially about boys. I know. And I also wonder why Summer cares this much. Isn't she, aren't she, isn't she like friends with Simon in a, in a kind of oblique, we live near each other kind of a way? Well, yeah, Wouldn't she be been, on Simon's she's side? She's been like, more of a friend to Simon than she has than Kelly. But, mind you, I mean, she, if Kelly I, has been living with them for a little bit. If I was, if I knew Simon the way I know I Simon anymore, in the show, I'd be like, don't date him. He's a psychopath. Yeah. He tried to beat his mum up and he wouldn't they wouldn't even let him in the grey hoodie gang and they're a bunch of wusses. Yeah, he was he got in trouble with the police recently. That's yeah. probably He's a surly little git is what I would say to her, but then she is as well, so I think they're perfect for yeah. each other. Um Simon makes the auntie and he's worried about her and Leanne's like, No, I love you, don't tell anybody and falls asleep. It's really tragic. I felt so bad for Simon and that's the end of the episode. Yeah, I felt bad for Simon. I actually thought that uh, Alex Bain was, was pretty good this week. Yeah. I, I I felt for Simon. I, think I totally he's understand got a bit of a burden, hasn't he? I totally understand Leanne and why she thinks she's she's blinded by grief and she's not thinking rationally. I don't know what else. You know, I don't know whether those pills she's taking are clouding her judgment or anything. But really, what a burden to place upon a young boy to expect him to emotionally support you 
and look after you physically as well. Like, cook your tea, tidy up the house. Yeah. She's really leaning on him way too heavily. I mean, that's what I thought. When when she, he came to see her in the hospital and she just collapses and then into tears and... It's not her fault because she's been holding it in for so long. It's not. The, only, the only thing thinking... that's that is her fault is, is, not, is not letting Simon get her help. Mm. And she's just... I don't know what it is. Is she... Is she embarrassed or... I don't know. She I, she doesn't want to be around Nick and She, she said, I don't and, want people to tell yeah. me, you'll get through this, you're strong, blah, blah, yeah, blah. Yeah, I understand that. I, I just want to, you know... I want to just I want I want be allowed own, to be sad. I, d- I mean, I don't That's think she thinks that, that she's going to be there forever. She she's... No, this is the thing that people sometimes don't get, is like, you're allowed to be sad and you, you have to let people be sad. You can't you can't chivvy them along when something like this happens. They're perfectly entitled to take their time about it. And mm. there is a certain point at which it becomes dangerous or you start to wonder if they need a bit more help. But Leanne's, you know, it's, a, it's fresh still. Leanne should be entitled to be sad and she just needs support. Mm. It's just, and Simon think... can't judge this. He's too young to know what to do. Yeah, the... It's not fair. No. Um, I think with, with soaps, there are so many deaths that go on on that street. Um, you 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 start to feel a bit of like it's a bit of a rotation of how's <laughs> yeah, the how are the relatives how going the to react ones. because I mean we've had people lock themselves away before like I'm sure Daniel has uh, did for a bit and um, Tina obviously she went into this kind of mode after her dad died. Um, well, the thing about Leanne is that she's trying to be strong for other people, and she's trying not to not to bring people down. Because she's in a weird situation where all of her strongest support supporters are engaged in activities that trigger her grief more than they would have done. And it's all new to them as well. And she doesn't want to be a downer and upset them. But they can't really devote full attention to her because of their other things that they're doing. Mm. You know, it really is um, it's a really tragic situation. Yeah, I I do wonder how they're going to get out of it. Yeah. Because Simon, I Just mean, kinda... I can imagine that next week's episodes are going to be Simon having to cover for his mum, but I can't see it being strung I out for, for that people. much longer. Yeah, Dr. Gaddis came in, didn't she, to, to when she saw Leanne and she was saying, like, Leanne was like, I can't sleep, I need some pills, please help me. Well, Gaddis and thought... Dr. Gaddis was saying, have you tried, have you, like, do, have you tried not drinking tea after six o'clock? Have you tried just being, just trying to sleep and close your eyes? Have you tried not being sad? <laughs> <laughs> but they had, what Gadas also said was, you need to come and see me at yeah. the surgery tomorrow. And obviously Leanne didn't do that. So I I guess, I, I hope, because maybe we'll get to see her again on Monday. Hello, come back. She'll come round and say, well, you didn't make your appointment. Or, or, or Simon's yeah, going to have to... Yeah, she'd be a bit to... concerned, wouldn't she? Yeah, and... I'll tell you what, I bet you Dr Gallus has so many patients that have relapses, though. Oh yeah. Oh, I, I, I have to come in again. Yeah, Gaddis is getting worse. Yeah, I mean, um, Gaddis kind of mentioned to Simon. I know what was it? She what did she say to Simon the other day? Like, how's your mum doing or something? Yeah. Yeah. So, so I would, I would think that maybe she might see Toya, especially as she used to be colleagues of Toya's. Yeah, I feel like how's your sister? Yeah. Mind you, I don't know if she. I don't know about. Should you really be going around saying that if you're a doctor? Well, I think that confidentiality is... Uh, you know, it doesn't exist, on d- Yeah, d- different, 
Yeah, different thing entirely. Well, the thing you is, she also said you have to tell other people that you're not in France, and yeah, Leanne hasn't done that either. No, no. So, so Dr. Gabs can see Dorian and be like, what did you say when Leanne said you never went to France? <laughs> Oops. <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of looking forward to this next week. I just I just feel really bad for Jane, because I thought that she'd get a break after Ollie <laughs> know, died, yeah. and you know, nearly two months later, and she's still going she's strong. She's crying on the sofa. She's not had much respite, has she? Storyline was like, no, you're sad. That's, you're that's, sad the whole time. That's That's what makes me think surely surely this can't go on for too long and maybe she actually will go to france for real after this but i don't know as soon as what she bigged up but she was going so much yeah she's been um, crying because she realizes she doesn't have six months what, left on her passport I, one thing that i do think this story is lacking majorly is steve who just seems to have He's you know disappeared since ollie died i mean they made a thing after he died before the funeral of steve locking himself in his room and we saw him once or twice but now it's starting to get really weird that he's not been involved at all in this. Why would he it, be involved in Leanne crying in a... Because he's crying flat. in a, a flat because she's crying about their their son dying. But he doesn't know... What are you trying to say? He doesn't know she's there. No, but it's it's odd how the... You know, when it, when a child dies, that's obviously awful for the parents. And it seems... And we don't know what it's like with Steve. We don't know how he's dealing with yes, it. Yes, we do. We saw the scene with him and Tim. I think you're expecting too much. And I also think you're not taking into account that the viewers don't necessarily want to see months and months and months of two different characters grieving over, over the child. Hmm. I don't need to see Steve upset I can imagine that he's upset and he's channeling it into physical activity and you know people cope in different ways I, I wonder don't, whether I don't think Steve was ever that bothered about Ollie <laughs> to be honest I do I wonder whether Steve <laughs> will you know be the one to come and help Leanne maybe Why? maybe maybe Peter will find out via Simon and because Peter and Steve are kind of ish friends maybe well I don't I'm I, not I, bothered no, I just think it feels like he's missing. I mean, lots of people are missing in this story, yeah. Les and Janice. But it, it's been all right. I, I'm not as into it as I was pre-Ollie dying. Move on. I'm done. Time to move on. More Gaddafi. That's what please. I said. No, sorry, that was what I meant to say to Leanne. <laughs> um, Johnny Jailbird is a turn up for the books. It's so it. I, I felt that Wednesday, this story was it could have done with a bit of extra screen time because it only got like three or four scenes and the fact that it was building up to this this court appearance on Friday, it didn't feel like it got the build-up that it deserved. But there was quite an exciting twist, I suppose, when um, Jenny's left, uh, has written Johnny this letter because Jenny's, Jenny's beside herself with worry about the fact that he might get sent down on Friday. So she's she's bought, she's made, she's written him a letter that says his her feelings about him hands it to him and he can't read it because it turns out that he can't really see so his ms has come back with a vengeance and he literally he said today didn't he that he can't see out of one eye and it's blurry in the other eye horrible and um but he's still kind of he's still blindly forgetting about it i didn't mean to go out like that um and saying that i've got to someone's got to pay the piper he says on Wednesday I've got to take my punishment he feels utterly guilty for what happened uh, with Scott who has been mysteriously absent throughout all of this I I know know that he's got his own separate court case but uh, they seem to have the way it's going at the moment it seems like Johnny was the the sole 
perpetrator of this crime and just got don't even get a mention. I know that Jenny's upset and I know that Johnny is is physically deteriorating and I don't know that he's going to get very good care in prison. But if you take if you if you kind of take that to one side, I in a way perversely think that the best thing that could have happened to Johnny was that he got punished and sent to prison because his his conscience mm. can't cope with feeling as though he's gotten away with this and he kind of needs to be absolved. I just I wonder whether sometimes after the... it takes you know it takes that being feeling like you've paid a debt to society in some manner for you to be able to mentally relinquish those feelings about what what occurred. It, like he's, he's gonna. I think once he comes out, as long as he didn't die in there. I just I think, I think, I think if you if you better. felt responsible for a guy becoming an alcoholic and Dying. drinking himself to death yeah. even 8 months behind bars you don't think is that really going to make you think well I think he's going to suffer enough for it to feel Stevens. like it was a lot longer Sure sure but it's it's still one of those things that you're never going to forgive yourself for is it I know but there's a difference between feeling guilty and like you haven't been punished and feeling guilty and knowing that you actually did mm, yeah i guess so like anyway. legally legally they yeah yeah i know i know i know i think it's going to take the the security guide's mum coming and saying I not i forgive not i forgive you but i i don't know what she would say but it feels like the the absolution needs to come from her anyway friday jenny's distracting herself by doing some 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 grown-up coloring in um in the rovers and johnny comes down and pretends that his eyes are all better now but he can't even pick up the right color and pen when he tries so jenny is beyond convinced at this point that he should not be standing trial today or whatever it is shouldn't we go to the hearing um he's not in uh, fit state to be able to do it she's utterly frantic carla meanwhile seems to be more resigned to the fact that maybe johnny's going to be sent down and then um, we have Jenny making, not Jenny, Daisy making a reappearance, fresh from the tram where she was apparently mistaken for Kendall, Kendall Jenner. Should I know who that is? Uh, she's like the first woman to ever make money out selling makeup on the internet. You should definitely know about her. She's a pioneer. Okay, thank you. I'll have to look her up later. Does she look, does she look like Daisy? And she did it all herself as well. But no, she didn't get any help from her family or friends. She, from the ground up, she worked her ass off every single day of her life. I feel that you're not being 100% genuine at here. And her looks and the way what she's achieved was 100% down to makeup with no plastic surgery or fillers involved. <laughs> okay. So um, Daisy Can offers say, to help out. Not that anyone would ever say down. this about me, but being compared to... to is it Caitlyn Jenner in any way whatsoever? Kendall, I've written Ke- Kendall, oh, Kendall Jenner. Not Caitlyn. <laughs> Kendall yeah, that's, would uh... make me incredibly upset and go home and wash my face. <laughs> well, Daisy seemed to love it. Daisy loved it. I really like this scene because it was so... Like, she's so completely off herself and, like, self-obsessed. This was a perfect Daisy scene, I think. I'm going to enjoy watching her. She's mm. so narcissistic. I can't, I can't decide yet. I kind of think I will, but in other, in other ways, I think... She's a bit too much of a, a bitch. I don't know whether I like her and she's... yeah. Too, oh, yeah, she's a bitch. And uh, I don't know whether she, she's really got Jenny's best interests at heart, so I'm obviously very protective of Jenny. I don't know what to say. Oh, no, she's she's a snake in the grass. So, anyway, Nurse comes round later and um, it confirms that he's probably having a relapse. Um, but, yeah, sorry, can't get you out of court. I think there's no reason why you, you shouldn't go, to be honest. Jenny's like, what the heck? You, you can't even see. 
and she's like, well, yeah, Justice is blind. So. <gasps> <laughs> so well, it's like you, so you can't. You can, I don't know what the nurse could possibly have said. Like, I don't think that the the, the courts work like that. It's it's sad, and obviously, you know, you feel bad for him. You want to be able to see if you yeah, go into prison. You do a little bit, yeah. <laughs> but um, I'm, Even I'm if sure it's only out of one eye. Yeah, uh, but you know, if you've committed a crime and you're sick, you don't just get out of it. No, no. Should have um, thought about that, shouldn't you? So Johnny goes and gets his shirt on. Imran comes round, and and Jenny says to him, "Look, you you've got to make sure the judge knows what Johnny's going through." Um, and Imran's like, oh, "I will, but you know, probably going to go down." And then Jenny tells Johnny about the love letter that she wrote for him. This this one from the other episode, Aww. and says, "I love you, and I'm proud of you, and I'm proud to be your wife, and I'll always love you." Um, and then She's he goes off sweet. to prison. Then she goes and has a little pray. She doesn't go to. He doesn't go to prison straight away. Oh no! They let him have a trial first. <laughs> they they do, and she has a little pray, which was odd and not necessarily in character. So but... I didn't really get this um, court case thing. Well, there was no they... jury. No, it was. It was like it was basically like that. That, that, that doesn't need to be a jury, Johnny... does Because he's pled. In, he's pled oh, guilty right? to it. I mean, I imagine. Do, do, do juries didn't only come if they? Well, to try to get what's, out of it. What's the what's the point of having a jury if to decide the sentence? Don't juries decide sentences? No, as well? they the, don't. I no. thought they did. I thought the judge is like, right, you can give them this, that, or the other thing. I don't think so. They do in America, don't they? I don't they do. Know. They definitely do in America. I don't know. They well, do anyway, in America. We've already had a massive Imran <laughs> court case just a month ago, so this one was um, the, yeah. condensed down to one I, scene in Weatherfield. What a solicitor gets one big court case a year, mm. and they and it's a it's a twelve rolling twelve month rolling year. So they're like, sorry, sorry, Johnny, you can't have a proper trial because he's already just done one. I was hoping for you know round two of Imran, you know, being the best darn lawyer that Weatherfield has ever seen. And, but... and Imran comes out, and the judge is like, I can't believe you've got CCTV footage to back up <laughs> when this happened so long ago. Imran's, you know, case is pretty much he's and sick, Imran isn't he? Says, go on, be lenient, let him off, go on, please. Imran says, Look, I don't have CCTV, but I do have a video of a reconstruction that I made with some plasticine that we bought for a foster child that's now not with us. <laughs> so if you'd like to watch the screen, I'll show you exactly how it all went down. Um, to cut a long story short, yeah, Johnny gets sent down. He gets eight months. Which, I mean, maybe four, that's how it works, isn't it? If I understand TV sentencings of... Um, yeah, TV sentencings, it's like, I'll give him eight months, he gets out in four, give him half for good behaviour, gets out in two, give, give that desire by two, carry the one, he's out in a week. Yeah, so um, Send him who, down. who knows how long he'll be down for. And, and, and quite often as well, don't they have it where they're well behaved for, you know, almost the half time and then they get up to something dodgy. And then somebody's like, you're, I hate you. I'm going to tell your wife, I'm going to shag your wife. Yeah, and then and he, he goes, no. Up. But I don't think Johnny's going to be in a fit state to be beating anyone up in prison, to Probably be fair. Not. So um, Jenny is just in oh, full Jenny's on wobble mode. She, she's, you know, she's, she's lost. She's distraught. She's beside See, herself. I think the thing about Jenny is that she puts up a good front but she really is um, a vulnerable person who who is very emotional. And I, I'm trying to say it in a nice way, but the thing is about it is that a lot of the language around people like that is inherently negative because we judge people 
um, badly if they are, get upset about things. But I don't think that's right because this is a really bad thing that's happened to her and she's she's absolutely should be able to weep floods of tears if her husband he she's steadily sick about anyway gets taken into prison where she doesn't know if he's going to get any care she absolutely should she's totally, absolutely should. She's totally justified to be to, an emotional wreck you know but like even that Re- phrase is right yeah but you see even that phrase like she's lost control like we use these words to talk about people who um are upset and cry or, or scream or something. But funnily enough, we don't use it when, say, for example, a man gets angry and fights. That's just as emotional. It's just an emotional as a, re- mm. a response. But because one is, you know, gendered more towards me- men and one is women, you know, the, the female response is the weak one. Mm. And the man is, you know, it, it is an emotion being angry and lashing out. And we've, it's not like we've not seen this response from Jenny before as well. Yeah. She's not necessarily one to bottle it all in. I mean... Think the balcony dangling incident, I mean, and I think that Jenny was back in full force today. Um, I mean, another word that you would use to describe how she is is hysterical, and that's another mm. gendered word that's a negative um, description of somebody who is sort of overwhelmed emotionally. Mm. You just can't escape this kind of like little prison of 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 words and descriptions that seems quite charged against somebody yeah who's just feeling women. something Who, yeah and and if it's if things aren't bad enough for her when she says johnny i'll come and visit you as soon as i can and he turns around and says don't oh god he's such <laughs> an annoying martyr isn't he he, he was uh, i was i really got annoyed with him when he said that it's it was so typical of him to sort of go well oh, spare her feelings but by in doing so i'm only going to push her away and it was like if you know, like, it's like D- daisy brings up later when he says oh well, he was going to divorce her a couple yeah. of uh months ago for her own good yeah it's and really patronizing he just he just wants to you know uh, be punished he's just to being the hilt. dramatic yeah in a drama how dare he um, she 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 goes home. How's he going to get through this? How's she going to get through this? Looks like Daisy's Ooh. going to to hang around and and help out in the pub. Jenny at first How says, useful. First, Jenny says don't, and then she says to Carla, "Oh no, maybe maybe she it'd be nice to have her around on the staff. So watch out there." And um, and okay, all the way through this, uh, we haven't mentioned Carla at all. But she's been sitting there shooting daggers. She does not like Daisy, does she? She hates Daisy so much. Daisy is... The thing is about Daisy is that she's very concerned with her looks and she's a very frivolous person who seems to be quite superficial. I hate to say this, Carla doesn't look like she fell out of bed, does she? (laughs) She's always immaculately groomed and, and put together... I kind of don't like it when a woman is obviously spends a lot of time on her looks, but doesn't like it when other women talk about it and acts like they're superior. It's because like you both spend the amount, same amount of money on makeup. Don't pretend. It's because Daisy's like what twenty odd years her junior, and Carla's maybe a little bit jealous of that. Well, let's not say it like that. I don't think so. That's sexist. No, it's not. She's not threatened by her looks. I don't know. Ah, I don't think that Carla's threatened by her looks. I think she just thinks that she's a vacuous moron, which she is. (laughs) But what I'm saying is, Carla, look in the mirror, love. Oh, too late, you already do. Almost all the time. Because you're good looking, I would be looking in the mirror as well. (laughs) Um, The last (laughs) scene that we get of this, which I thought was very, very well acted, was, was Johnny on his bed in prison, um, also having a bit of a breakdown yeah. Um, I, I was waiting for it to either have the old, you know, the cell door close up and the little window slid and across, 
or waiting for somebody to walk into the room, either new cellmate, big bruiser, or, you know, one of the many Coronation Street characters who are in prison. See my predictions on the Predictions podcast for more thoughts about that. It's me, Scotch Tommy. No. What? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, so Johnny's in the slammer. Um, and will we see see his journey Johnny's journey um, I think yes I mean if they've made such a big thing about him having MS then it would it feels like that would be quite interesting to explore it feels like they're not gonna you know not show it and go because uh, Jenny's like how's Johnny gonna cope and if they don't show us how he copes then <laughs> it's like well we'll tell probably, you later probably fine then yeah. <laughs> making a big hoo-ha out of nothing Jenny such a drama queen yeah so yeah, and, and they and we know that they have got a prison set there mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so um, why not could be good and, and Johnny just feels like he's had nothing to do I, I'm kind of quite excited for him to have his own story and it will literally be his story because the everybody is, else in it you know his neighbours and everything will be unknown characters and well, this is exactly this is exactly it's going to be him centred around him this is exactly the issue with the story is that they're going to have to either bring back somebody who's in the prison or they're going to have to invent a whole new character for him to, for, to be a confidant of of Johnny which they've done before in the past I mean that's how Graham Proctor came in the show that's how, uh, sometimes that's it, how Paul came in yeah, the show sometimes it works really well and you get a nice new character that you, you know and we um, had um, the thingy Yasmin's cellmate oh, yeah. for a couple of weeks last summer, didn't they worry, we? They were glass for you. Yeah. yeah. No. Um, I don't know. I, I, I'm also oh, heartbroken no, you know. for Johnny. Do, don't you... Isn't this just horrible to watch? Mm. Him him, kind of deteriorate physically. This is like one of my worst nightmares. I know, and it feels like... Is, is this... Is, is he going to come back from this? He's having a relapse, I don't but is he going to get MS better? enough to, um, to know, like... I know that it comes and goes, but they yeah, said that when it... when Johnny was diagnosed, yeah. didn't they? But does it does it does it rever- like will he be able to see out of his eye again? Mm. I don't know, and that and that was These interesting as well of... because they made that thing about him not being able to see when his wife was hit by the car. It's oh, horrible. This is the thing, like medical things. I find them so depressing. Mm. The 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 inescapable monstrous decline of somebody who's who's going through something like this is a nightmare i can't imagine it terrifies me and i hate i hate watching this uh, and especially to jenny and johnny it's really sad i know because we love them i mean i i'm really keen to see what happens to jenny um like is she going to be able to to steal herself to keep the rovers running because so. it's it's on her shoulders now isn't Bloody it to Daisy's keep that pub going well, da- is Daisy going to try Daisy's and infiltrate? Daisy's going to and... ruin everything. Yeah. She's I... not going to help. She's like an agent the... of chaos. Mm. Is the rovers going to fall into into ruin, like Are you said? Are there going to be mice running around? I don't know. I, I, I don't know whether I want to see Jenny blubbering and they're using that negative language again. I'm not trying for, to criticise anybody. Can for I just be clear? Eight months. I'm not criticising anybody for using this language. And we've, done, we've talked before about gendered language and how it shapes the way you think about things without you really even even realising it. And I certainly want to demonise anybody who, who does it. We had that whole thing where I went on a rant about, you know, battle axe is a sexist term. And then you, I use it myself. You, it, it, what all you have to do... My personally, this is what I think. Just be aware of it. 
if you're aware of it, you can you can um, examine the stereotypes that are in your own mind and not and and kind of that's one step closer to kind of maybe defeating them. But you're not going to we're not going to do it in, you know, it's, it's not going to it's going to take generations mm. of of people talking about these things but you have to talk about them mm. and I'm, like I say it's it's not anybody's fault and I'm not trying to be negative I'm just saying think about it a bit more yeah one of the things that I would say to Jenny though where I'd be giving her advice is that she's may- come to you to help for help is she well maybe it's not advice maybe it's I told you so so I'm giving <laughs> her but Johnny's, oh, yeah, been, just as helpful. Johnny's been trying to talk to her about this for months. And whenever he's brought it up, yep. she's been like, don't want to talk Head about that now. Don't worry, it'll be fine. No, let's not talk about this. And, and maybe <laughs> this if she like had talked to him about balance. it, she might be feel, <laughs> Don't look at it. Maybe don't she'd look. feel a bit more reassured or maybe she would... Is she, uh, is she also regretting now that she hasn't spent much time with him for the past few months? She's been avoiding spending any time with him, maybe. It's all. It's. it's I, don't, I don't want to say you know you brought it on yourself, Jenny, because it's there's it's a, not her fault that she's sad, in this problem. But this, it is a shame that she's been blocking him out. It's a sad inevitability, isn't it? Like she, she sort of engineered the things she was afraid of, mm. in, yeah. in a sense. And, and this is like the tragedy of human beings in general. That often what we fear we bring about mm. ourselves through inaction or perhaps taking the wrong action. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, does she even know where the VAT information is? The thing is... Does she, she know where how to get to the wholesaler? She she ran the pub by herself yeah. for a bit last year, oh, didn't yeah. she, when Johnny refused to get back from France? Yeah. She is, but, when, but that was when she was in a bit more of a fit mental state. And I know she was narc that Johnny was staying over. Well, she was doing um, it as like a screw you kind of a thing in the end. Yeah. Whereas now, she, what she got, you know, she, it would be easy for her to surrender into sorrow and not... And not try. Mm. Uh, the, and yeah, I think the thing honestly, is that the, the Rover's staff currently is so like weak. It, it's like Emma, Gemma, Sean, Sean, maybe Carla and Daisy. Yeah, all just kind of mucking in there. It just doesn't feel like it's a that there's anybody. And the thing is about it is that Daisy is a sort of a thoughtless. Like she throws support in a thoughtless manner at Jenny and says what she thinks Jenny wants to hear or. Like she's like, oh yeah, yeah, Johnny, Johnny's no good for you anyway, babe. You should just not worry about it, not think about him. Blah 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 blah. Is she trying to get him back, her back with her dad or something? Do you know what I mean? Uh, yeah, I, I and don't. And also, know, here's maybe. the other question: Daisy is her stepdaughter. Yes. Was the boy, I've forgotten the Tom. name, her brother or half brother? Uh, I don't know. Because that's a good know. question. I think because we know. The story, the backstory of Jenny when she wasn't in the show was that she had a husband, never mentioned Daisy before now, but we know she had a, a small boy child called Tom who was left in a in a paddling pool for like, you know, seconds and drowned and died. And then she went um, off the rails slightly, yeah. <laughs> uh, to say the least, and got divorced and things and the, fam- uh, the relationship fell apart. Be interesting to wonder if, Daisy's what? Is she here to get vengeance? Is Daisy pretending to be nice, but she's actually always blamed Jenny for her brother's death? I I really do get the impression that 
Daisy doesn't like Jenny as much as Jenny thinks she does. And, and Jenny has been incredibly blind to some of Daisy's nastiness. Not all of it, because like she, she told her indulgent. to wash her tongue like at Christmas, on Christmas yeah, Day. Yeah, but she's really stuff. indulgent of her. Yeah, she really And like, is. even when she was going, oh yeah, she said, this guy said I look like Kendall Jenner. Like Jenny was looking at her like, yeah, you do, you look so much like Kendall Jenner. It's so beautiful, Daisy. Whereas, like, most people, if it, even if it was their daughter, would be like, eat. <laughs> Feels on drugs, maybe. All right, let's move on. We've got a couple of little mini stories left, haven't we? Confessions of a window cleaner, Gemma. Gary, Faye, what's going on? Gary's in a cell. Next. Maybe he'll be cellmates with Johnny. I don't think... I don't know. No, he's in, prison. he's in the police station cell, wasn't he? Gary's in jail and Johnny's in prison. I don't... No. Um, Gary and Johnny, they don't have any link, do they? You're just trying to make it so that your prediction comes true. And I'm going to predict that Gary and and Johnny become cellmates. Don't forget. They could be good thrown together. Don't forget that... um, No, I don't think that... I can't see that working, but... okay. Okay, so Gary dropped a roof on Rana, who was getting married to Johnny's daughter. So there's the link. Um, Come on, what's been going on? Gary's... Is Gary in the cell at the police station? Yes. So he's... Because don't forget, Yasmin was on remand, so she wasn't actually... Oh, no, but he does go to prison later, doesn't he? Because Faye Faye goes to visit him. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Gary's in the cell. Oh, God. This is hard. It's harder than it should be. It's because right. it was Monday, it was like years ago. Faye has a go at Craig for arresting her brother, and Craig's like, You wait, oh, so I'm not going to stop there. I'm going to arrest. <laughs> I'm not going to let arrest until I've arrested every, every single on person street. on the street. And you know what? There's always somebody doing something wrong. I bet you he could find something to arrest everyone for. Yeah. Um, she says, I know he didn't do it. And everyone's like, Why are you so sure? And she's like, No reason in particular. But this was know. the theme of Monday, wasn't it? Her falling just short. Just to remind everybody, how she knows. She knows because it was her what done it, and I, I'm, I can't. By wait. it, you mean bashed Adam on the head and left him for dead. That would be it. Maria comes home and says Gary's been put on remand. That's what I just said. Um, she's saying, "Oh no, I'm so sad. I'm upset. Oh no." <laughs> <laughs> Excellent podcasting. <laughs> this is why I'm not an actress. Oh no. Um, yeah. Faye's upset. She's worried and, and thinking if she's robbing Gary of his life, he can't see his kids, I'm going to confess. And Mary says, um, why don't you go and talk to him and tell him this, but keep your bloody voice still for God's sake. So she goes to visit him. He says, look, you and I are both where we should be. I'm not saying maybe this, I had it coming. Have you ever seen Chicago? And um, he tells her that he can't let her throw her life away. Craig tries to make up with Faye in the cafe and she's really shifty about it when he's like, why Why did you say that Gary didn't do it? Then R. Kelly comes over to Craig and Faye and says, Gary killed my dad. And then Faye's like, no, he didn't. And that's it. Yeah. I want to see Faye punch Kelly in the face so badly. Um, yeah, that was that. Well, I've got nothing particularly much to say about that, but it does... I'm, maybe if rereading that does make me think that maybe we will see Gary and Johnny in prison together because it I would be weird it. it's so obvious it'd be weird for them prison. to not have scenes together considering they're both in prison and assuming it's the same prison but I'd, I'd the only reason I didn't think about it is yeah they, they don't really have much 
No. In and also, common. I can't really see them getting on. No. I can't see there being much, you know... Um, you, what's the word? You Charisma think just because we're in... Two. No, just because we're in the same show, it doesn't mean that we're going to be best buddies in there the cells some, or whatever. Yeah, there are some... Like, there are loads of great characters, and they're great in their own right, but when you put them with another character... I can just see, like, what would be the point of that? I can't imagine them. No. And Gary and Gary Johnny, and Johnny don't seem feel like, like they two, will spark off each other. Two, like, opposing magnets that they would, they'd be just, like, yeah. flying away from one another. But Who I would knows? like to be proven wrong. Yeah, yeah. I certainly would be interested to see a scene with them in it. I just can't see it being that good. No, 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 no I totally know what you mean. Um, okay then, so finally we also had a bit of um, Alahan stuff this week. Um, <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, oh yeah, we, um, they're getting their mocks. So yeah, on Friday, um, Dev says, the good thing about Asha is that she's so smart. Look, she's got glasses and everything. There's no way she'll get bad grades and Ardy is the thick one in the family. Yeah. Anyway, children, off Foreshadowing you go. alert. So, um... We find their this results is where, later. This is I don't know why they didn't open their results at school like normal people, but instead they take them back back to speed dial to open them. This is when people across the country who don't have children in school in the, at this age go, what? So Numbers? Ardy got five sevens, two sixes, and an eight in biology, whereas Asha got twos, ones, and a U. I get the U. You, so you, the higher the number, the better the grade, I guess why? this means. Why? Higher is best. Every, Bigger n- is one, better. Number one is good. Number seven would be bad if I was doing this. Well, yeah. You know why they've done that, though, don't you? Just to screw They're going to do to you guys what they do to us, where you're like, yeah, everyone gets A's, brilliant. And then they're like, aha, what about an A star? I know. When and they then, put an A star for the A levels, it just makes all our A levels look rubbish. Yeah, why don't you get an A star? Because they weren't invented. So what they're going to do is they're going to be like, oh, well, now we're going to do eights and nines. And then everyone's going to be like, oh, you only got a seven. Yeah. And um, then the ones will be like, won't even worth it. Yeah, this you, you pointed out that this is a little bit like when Lucille got her exam results um, and Annie didn't... Know. Understand them. And she was like, oh, dear. Yeah, Annie Walker and Lucille Hewitt. Yeah. And um, and I was like, I was watching it going, how could you not know, you silly old cow? How could you not know what the grades mean? And now I'm like, what is a seven? <laughs> um, Why is Ardy pleased with a seven? So Ardy blames Corey for her, his sister's poor performance because... Oh, um, Corey's there as well, by yeah, the way. Yeah, and so so is Kelly waiting for a date with Simon. And he's looking she? there, like, happy. He's, like, thrilled. Corey doesn't seem bothered he's or surprised smug. by this. He also says something like, oh, well, you know, Ash has been picking up more practical skills recently. That's if you know disgusting, what I mean. you horrible pervert. Yeah, so they go around... He's the sex case. Yes. Um, he go, they go around and see Dev and... Um, yeah, first we have Deb opening Ardy's results and going, oh, I'm so proud of you, my boy. You're Let's not just a stupid idiot. Time will Asha. Ah. If you've got sevens, I can only assume Asha's going to get tens. Yeah, um, but obviously not. And no. he's, he's taken aback right, right. a little bit. But um, fair play to him. He's like, look, we won't say anything about it tonight. Let's just you well, do whatever like, you want tonight. You tell me. Um, but he, he's just feeling guilty yeah. about not realising that she was struggling. But she's not told anyone. Even Ardy knew that she was doing badly. I felt so bad for Ardy here. Those, do you think that wearing those glasses were just part of the disguise to make everybody think that she was doing fine and that she was smart? I have to tell she you. She did only start wearing those, you know. Three, four months ago. That you certainly do get away with people thinking you're smart when you wear glasses exactly. a lot of the time. But then when you wear a tie that only comes up half your top, like, like oh, Asher you're was one, today. one of them Centrinian girl <laughs> people. So I felt bad for, for RG here. Um, 
this felt very much to me like a, another example of him being overshadowed by Asha. And even when, and they didn't go into this at all because he kind of took it on the chin, bless him. He's obviously used to just her getting all the attention all the time. But for the first time in his life, he does something great and he's got good grades and nobody expected it of him. Well, he brings it to his dad and Dev's like, great, wonderful. And then he sees Asha's results and goes, oh no, poor Asha, we have to look after you and you can pick a takeaway. And Aldi's like, Huh? Mm. Wait, it's my day. Just because she did rubbish. I mean, up until his recasting last year, Asher, I mean, Ardy was the, the thicky, wasn't he? He was like the shadow. Yeah, it's just like, it's just like suddenly, so at some point last Easter, the two brain cells that he had in his, buzzing around in his head suddenly clicked together and then sparks flew and then he, he suddenly became a genius. Well, I don't know what happened. I think, you know, he, it's it, interesting that his character has totally changed and we're very accepting of it. Yes, yeah, Summers has changed and it's like... That's because no. he's, he's become more interesting and Summer has become less interesting. He's grown a personality where yeah. he never had one before. Yeah. Summer had a personality and now she's become generic. She's gone lobotomised. She's just so, become generic mean girl teen. I know. So, um, so yeah, I, I wonder whether they're going to look... Because I, really I don't really know much about sibling dynamics and I certainly don't know what it's like to be a twin I've never I've never been <laughs> never been a twin no I've never think been I'm going to can be. I just finish I've never been the like the I've always been the older one because I had foster I had foster siblings and I was the oldest one and I was the cleverer one you know and I never had to compete with my siblings but for for Ardy they probably are quite competitive. And then he finally gets one over on her and it doesn't even get acknowledged. Mm. Uh, and he's already a bit bitter about with her about the fact that he, um, at school, they had to move schools because of her. Mm. And a stupid Corey. And now Corey's like, <laughs> and st- she's still hanging around him and f- throwing her life down the drain. And like, not only, yeah, he has to watch her being an idiot for a stupid boy and he's not getting acknowledged for all the good work that he's doing. Yeah. I feel really bad for him. No, I do as well. That's what they want us to think, isn't it? I There's... don't know. I thought that, that really got really glossed over. No, I, I think I, I've been getting no, undertones when, of think RD is being when, overlooked yeah, but over when, these past six months. When Dev was saying, t- when Asha goes off and Dev's left there, he's like, says to RD, yeah, RD, we have to keep an eye on her and look after her. And Ardy kind of looks like, yeah, I've I've been a bad brother. Whereas, no, I, I guess maybe that. I'm just self-absorbed. I'd be like, Dad, what about me? I want to pick the takeaway. It's not fair. No, I didn't get that. I, I think did. he's feeling uh, pretty hard done by. I also think it's a big mistake for Dev to, I mean, I know that, you know, brothers feel protective and everything, but I do feel think and it obviously you know you would you would be like look out for her and stuff but i do think it's a bit of a mistake to tell to kind of make ardy feel in any way that he's responsible for asher because he's the kind of guy that's going to take that completely the wrong way and like think he's a sheepdog and she's a sheep you know what Mm -hmm. i mean and she's not going to listen to a word that he says he thinks she i don't think that he she thinks much of him Mm. no i I think ardy's one to i think you need to watch out for ardy i think he's gonna uh gonna go postal on someone with his golf clubs that's what i'm saying yeah that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, don't be like you're responsible for your sister. Because mm. he was like, yes, dad. Well, it's their birthdays coming up soon, so I'm sure that there'll be plenty of drama come mid-January. 
but who knows what. And that's it. That is this week's Corrie. So um, I know what I thought about it. I told you at the beginning, I thought the, the week started very strong. Wasn't as fussed about it today. Um, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't amazing, amazing, but there was, to me, there was an awful lot to like there, really. I'm going to unashamedly give it four unwelcome pricks out of five, <gasps> which is what you get if you have a cactus in your bathroom at night. <laughs> uh, what did you give it? Four. Don't you just the four? It's more, you know, three and I, a half well, to a four, but I'm, I'm sticking on my four because I want to defend this week. So I just get a feeling that people are going to be voting it lower. Oh. We had a protest. We had baby stuff. With yeah, Michael, I like that. Cool. We I had like Evelyn, Evelyn and stuff. Arthur. Yeah, yeah. I really like that. I liked, yeah, mm, you're right. There was I some know. good stuff. <laughs> um, what shall I Great give it script then? on Monday. I might, I might give it, um, go away, Abby. I might give it. You've been distracted by stroking the cat here. Four drooping cacti, which is a very similar. Yes, yeah, similar to mine. That's yeah, fine. I'm allowed. That's fine. Um, character of the week wise. I'm gonna give it to Grace. What? Yeah. Why? That's right. I gave it to Grace. Well, she didn't deserve it. Because it's potential. I'm seeing so much potential in this storyline. I really liked rehabilitated Grace and I liked how desperate she was for to win Aggie's approval and her like wild eyed, like earnest appeal to Aggie to please, please don't don't uh judge me and like her saying, like, this you, this baby's your family as well and all this stuff and um I just I'm so excited for Aggie and Grace to just just be at loggerheads for the rest of their lives. Mm. Um and, and giving the babies a bit of a, a spark, you know? Yeah. No, that's a really good reason. I'm going to that there's this is another one of those weeks where I could have a number of reasons for a number of characters, but I think um I'm gonna settle on Roy. Um, because well, of him fight, fight, of the... fighting for the street on Monday, you know, giving his speech, um, standing up, you know, against uh, Ray and Debbie, going on his float. I, I mean, I could, I could give it to Abby, couldn't I? But I feel like I give it to Abby too often. Yeah. And, and Roy, not enough for what a great character he is. But for him, yeah, in, in fighting up for, for his cause and all the stuff with the... Um, the nocturnal squirrels with Evelyn mm. at the end of Wednesday's episode, yeah, which that I enjoyed. Sweet friendship. I, as I say, there were, there were lots of people that I could choose. I could go for Abby. I could go for uh, Arthur. I could go for Evelyn. I could go for for Simon. I also maybe. felt bad for Simon. I was going to say that because if I've kind of and uh, the burden he feels, and he's you know he went through that dark patch when he was a teen when he was abusing her, but um, he's always kind of. He's been the man in Leanne's life. Yeah. Since he were a yeah, little the constant. lad. He kind of probably feels very responsible for her. Mm. And now he's older, he probably thinks he can take on a bit more of a responsibility and a burden. But, you know, yeah. it's it's sad to watch somebody struggling with something what they think is their their duty when it you know, it isn't at all. And I, I feel like he's an honourable little guy. We have seen the maturing of Simon over the past year or two. And I mean, he's gonna he's gonna turn eighteen this year as well. So, I guess yeah, his, his little size growing up. Aww. <laughs> okay, well let's uh, let's finish with that and uh, move on to our next section. 
Right, we will have a cabin section today. Um, there's not a whole lot of news, but um, don't want to leave this. We've got another RIP that we have to give out after last week's double whammy with um, Adele Rose and Mike Eden. I say double whammy. Sorry. Ad- Alan Igbon um, sadly passed away. Um, we found out that, um, this week um, uh, in early December. Now, he was the first actor who played Tony Stewart way back in 2003. Uh, Jason's dad. He, um, the character obviously came back more recently. Um, not played by Alan, but um, yeah, this is still sad to hear, even so. And he was only 68 as well. Um, so, sad. Very sad very, news. Very, very, very sad There news. was a tribute to Adele Rose on the on Oh, the yeah, there was, today. wasn't there? Mm-hmm. Yeah, right, just before they um, before the credits showed, they had a picture of Adele, didn't they? Mm-hmm. And it made me think that maybe they'll we'll get something for, for Mark Eden, um, possibly next week, maybe. Maybe Alan, Alan as well. I would that, like it if they was, did. That was nice to see. Um, and the only other bit of news, which is not really news, but we'll get it in here anyway, was um, an article that I saw um, with Carrie Quinn earlier this week. Now, you may remember her from playing Irish Vicky um, the year before last on Coronation Street. And everybody wondered, is that it for her after um, Robert kicked the bucket? And it transpires that there was supposed to be a story where Vicky maybe returned to Coronation Street, but it never really happened. I think that was sadly a victim of COVID. She said, um, it never actually came to an end, talking about her storyline. She was going to go back to Belfast and we had a leaving do. It was great. It was a proper farewell and emotional to say goodbye to some people who I'd met there because I'd made some really lovely friends. But before we'd even hit the new year, it was like, do you want to come back? And I was like, yeah. And as far as I know, there was a story there and the idea was to go back at some point during the summer which obviously didn't happen. And this was um, an interview with the Belfast Telegraph. Yes. But um, I, I feel really bad for her to be to be told that there's the potential that you can go back to something as huge as Coronation Street and then... They'd it's be just like, like, don't mention nah. that. Nah. Because, because I, I guess of the pandemic, it, it must be really, really rubbish. So when was she supposed to come back? In the, in the summer, she said. This summer? This past summer. She was supposed to come back into it Oh, six months after leaving yeah and then just it, it never happened well it could still the thing is I, I thought you i thought she was talking about before robert died but if they were still talking about her coming back after robert died it still, could still happen in the future well yeah but she she was still in it up until robert died wasn't she i think i can't i can't remember i know but i can't see of. the point of her coming back after robert died and michelle has left well no but if they had a story for her in summer that you know the story could still be good. Yeah, that's that's true. I I I didn't I didn't mind Vicky. I think she was. Um, she's a bit different. She's yeah. She's one of those characters that's like, you know, yes. you, she could you could she could be one that you look back on five years later and go, who was that again? She's I but thought she's quite memorable. She was she was for the time. She was she was of her era and she was very much a um a product of of a plot and a storyline and that that sort of character that was needed. I, I tell you what I. One thing that I've not minded about her not being here is we've also not had to suffer Tyler. Didn't and I, like and I guess that if if she was coming back, then maybe Tyler would have done as well. Maybe Tyler would have been what Corey is. Because both, both of those two were kind of... Sex you, cases. No, I'm just saying that they were both characters who were in it more than just one story. Yeah. Like, Tyler was involved with... Um, he, he was the one that was in the Grey Hoodie Gang with... With Simon, wasn't he? And then he got his award for getting Amy Barlow pregnant or something like that. <laughs> I forget. Best sperm in Weatherfield. Normally, Steve wins that one. And and Corey's done a couple of things as well. But, yeah, they... 
they they definitely merge together in my mind sometime. But you, you're right that maybe maybe she'll come back. But it does kind of feel that you know the longer after. Well, I think Robert's if you talk death, about it, you you might not get asked back. I don't know. But I've who you know knows? how they get funny about. Yeah, people stop say. spoiling things that were supposed to happen. That's it for the news. That is it, that is it. Maybe we'll have more news next week. I was thinking last week when we had our massive news, I thought maybe we should leave me guessing who's in the top 10 appearances in 2020 until next week. But now I want to do it this week. But there's always, I, I mean, when there's not news, you can always talk about how there's no news for about half of the time. Yeah, that's what I'm doing right now. I noticed. Should we do feedback? Yeah. Okay then, let's do a little bit of feedback, and we got three point four one out of five on um, well last week's Coronation Street did that I should say on Facebook group last week. Thank you everybody for voting. Um, I think we gave it three and a half, so largely in line with what we said. Chad gave it four hospitality awards under the bed out of five. Uh, Pat voted um, three and a half and gave it three and a half fictional woodworms out of five, which is um, what Sally had in her attic. And Hill gave it three residents of number five who smell of kebabs out of five. I thought it was pretty much um, all in on that one. (laughs) Um, We got a voicemail this week, didn't we? Just popped in just earlier this evening. And it is from Fangirl Overload123, who we've never heard of before. We have heard. We her. have never heard her speak before. That's right. Um, it's so nice to hear her voice. It is nice to hear. It was a really nice change. So let's let's play her message. Hello, I'm sending. It's Fangirl Overload here. I'm sending a voice message today because I'm late. So I'm going to send a voice message because it's quicker. I really didn't expect Johnny to get sent down, so that surprised me. And I also think that Aggie is going to go behind Michael's back to take court action against Grace. I'm really glad that Evelyn stayed, but I am so upset that Arthur left. And character of the week is Abby, and I give it four stood-up daughters of loan sharks out of five. Oh, lovely to hear from you. Thank you very much for your scores and your feedback. Yes, I wonder what you're so busy doing this evening that you can write for us. But no, I did. I enjoyed hearing that. It was nice. Um, thank you very much. And we have got our um, Rebecca feedback as well, um, who said that, um, based on last week's Corey, thought it was Faye as soon as the whiskey was mentioned Christmas Day, but kind of holding out for Sarah as my prediction was better. <laughs> Get on the ro- I saw that they're advertising for writers or storyliners or Hello. something this week. Yeah, I saw something. Get in there. It can re- and now, more than ever, you can probably work remotely. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Should I apply? Yes. Ah, oh, you should. No, I don't. I think they would be. Can you imagine? Well, I just need to listen to the predictions episode this week. That's what you'd send in for you. It's my CV. Yeah. However, Rebecca says, as soon as I knew it was Faye, I knew that Gary would take the fall for her. Although Craig finding the item Adam was hit with in Gary's possession wasn't the way I was expecting. I still kind of want Adam to find out it was Faye. And when he finds out it was Ray she was after, he might drop Gary's charges. Actually, that might be better as Sarah will be hungry. <laughs> See, speaking of Sarah, she's so petty regarding Gary. For once, I'm feeling sorry for, for him as he's done nothing wrong, but he's getting charged. I don't feel sorry for him. Do you feel sorry for Gary at the moment? I, I find Gary way more... Uh, you know, I used to be like, nah, I don't... Gary's not... I'm not bothered about him. I like him way more now he's a bad boy. And I... Yeah, I do. I, I, th- I do feel... Aww. I feel conflict, you know. But he's... He, he, he's... But you see, this is the thing, Michael, in Coronation Street in general, a lot of the times I find 
the morally grey characters far more interesting and yeah, therefore yeah, more likeable than everybody else. Yeah. Um, I like supporting Maria towards Faye though and Gemma, you're so right, regarding Faye and Ray. Really appreciated the Ken and Peter scene and Ken mentioning his suicide attempts and Bet saving him. But can Carla just tell Peter to get lost one time she says she wants to help Peter and he says no is okay, but it must be 50 times now and desperate Carla is not a good look on her. I'm assuming someone will donate their liver, maybe Carla or Daniel, I'm guessing, but I'm assuming we won't know till March or April. You can't donate your liver, can you? I don't, don't think don't you, you can. Need it. I think, can you give a bit of it? I, I don't know. It grows back. Can you get by with a bit of liver? Oh, maybe then. Just cut out a little bit. Is it like a worm when you chop it in half and it turns into two? It, that know. doesn't happen. Um, I enjoyed the funeral stuff and Jeff having his... Uh, sorry, Jeff having high ho silver lining as his exit tong song was typical Jeff. I'm also still enjoying the visions of him and like the scene between Yasmin and Tim while the others were at the funeral. We didn't get any Yasmin this week, did we? I just realized. You can donate a lobe. Oh, lovely. Um, I also enjoyed the Sally and Tim scene too, and even remarking that all the winters smell like kebabs. <laughs> Glad to see Elaine, though I'm still dubious to enjoy Elaine, just in case she suddenly goes away. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> and then, like I said, she said, I love meddling Todd. He's so sneaky. Although, like you said, Paul doesn't help himself, although he is a winter, so being stupid is in his blood. <laughs> I also didn't mind some of this week. She wasn't so annoying. I don't mind Dev going across to Ray's side as he had money worries last year and so he thinks a hotel will help the corner shop. I did enjoy Asher throwing the Christmas decorations on the sofa though <laughs> and calling Ray Donald Trump. <laughs> Sam giving Nick the t-shirt for his birthday was so cute and Nick using Sam words to say no to Ray was brilliant. Loved Abby's vendetta against Ray and the Toya and Imran and Mason scenes were adorable. Gutted that Mason is now gone but hopefully though she and Imran um, have an argument. Sorry, uh, hopefully they... What does it say here? I, hopefully he's gone for a bit. Um, and Oh, I skipped a line, that's why. And there's going to be another foster child on the way. Love Toya buying all the toys for Mason. And even though she and Imran had an argument, there it is, they were made up in the end. I didn't find the Shona stuff, Vicky, though I'm willing to bet that Shona will get pregnant soon. I also enjoyed her in Roy's roles too. And although I'm... I can't read today. And Roy telling her to come back next week. Arthur's back. Yay! Oh, don't get too excited by that, Eureka. Um, although I put him to return in my predictions, so I was a little bit sad that they beat me to it. I really hope Evelyn can forgive him and that they can be friends at least. Although I did enjoy her calling him a rat. Finally, liking that Steve's doing charity work for Oliver, but I don't understand why he and Tim had to dress up as dinosaur costumes. Well, Rebecca, <laughs> if you've been watching Corrie for the last, what, five years, any excuse for dressing up. I did enjoy the Tim and Steve scene though that was sweet. Character of the week is Todd, but Toya was second, oh. and I give it three and a half. Evelyn's ringing up the pest control to report the possible sighting of a rat. Out of five. Out of five. Here we go. Nancy sent us an email. She says, now we know Faye knocked out Adam. Will Gary get off? Because his fingerprints are not on the weapon. Good question. Gloves. She talks about um, Ken and the Bet Lynch scene, and she remembers watching that back in 1990. She reckons Asher siding with the protest group was a master stroke. Loved seeing Dad's reaction and loved hearing Jenny's opinion and Abby's reaction to it. Asher, Asher didn't have anything to do with the um, the parade riot protest thing this week, did she? No, I don't think so. No, that's why it's the same job that Alina just jumped on the bandwagon, literally. <laughs> Are they also, it was something we didn't mention in the street tour today, I remember, was Tyrone saying that Alina could come and stay with, with them, didn't he? 
because now she's been kicked out of the salon flat and, you know, without consulting Faye or, not Faye, Fizz or Evelyn or anyone, he said, yeah, you can come and live with us. Odd. Who did? Tyrone. Said. Tyrone said that Alina could come oh, and yeah. live with him and That's Fizz weird. and Faye and, not Faye, Hope and Ruby and Evelyn. <laughs> Faye keeps cropping There's not up. really room. There's, there is room. Maybe he was banking on Evelyn going off to Canada. <laughs> <laughs> She reckons Sally and Tim are hilarious together and she also liked Tim and Yasmin's that little conversation that they had together and um, like the way that Evelyn snuck Arthur's present into her bag. Um, she thinks that Toya and Imran make wonderful foster parents and loved Steve and Tim's funny moment and Shona's personality. She gave this week three and a half baby model, te- baby Mabel teddy bears out of five. Character of the week is Toya and she says thank you to us for mentioning Mel B. Oh, that's okay. Yeah, she likes a shout-out, does Mel. <laughs> um, she, she was on the uh, Masked Singer, wasn't she, she this was. week, Mel B? She got kicked out second. Do you know why she said she got... Um, why when she says that she, they knew it was her? How? She said it's because she had a bubble butt and everyone knew it was her. Oh, I didn't know that's that. That's what she said. Um, I picked this this final bit of feedback off the uh, Facebook group. This wasn't sent to us, but I thought it was quite interesting. People enjoyed this discussion, so I've, I'm reading it out. This is from Robin, and he said that one of my I, I, I'm just blowing my own trumpet. I here. just I wanted says, to read this out for some reason. One of my favourite Michael. of Michael's interviews was with writer Ellen Taylor, and it genuinely brought a few questions up about character development for me that I really don't know. My first he thought. Genuinely don't know. I know. My first thought is more immediate. Does Ellen, for example, have all of the characters and how they are in her? head if so that could be very different to how the other writers have a character in their head and my first question to you all because this is on the facebook group is can you tell the difference in a character on the show at all um as they have been written slightly nuanced by a different writer where uh where jonathan harvey would use a line like yaston villa for jeff does ellen think my jeff would never say that that's a good question it is isn't it it's there's definitely a flair that some of the writers have, and you can tell, like many people will say, a Jonathan Harvey script is quite distinctive. Mm. Um, And, you know, I'm not clever enough to be able to pick out many other people just by watching an episode and say, oh, I think so-and-so wrote that. That's probably a good thing. I mean, I I guess they do have script editors for things like that, don't they? Well, we definitely, I mean, you spoke to... is it Matilda Freeman yeah. you spoke to and she said that she doesn't think that or she didn't think that all the all the writers knew some of that well. Especially as she she was in it so little so some writers would never have had a chance to write for her or maybe like one or two so then they have to kind of go on what they've seen of, of her yeah. on the show. But and I just can't that... imagine being a writer and going well I don't you know I don't really know or like I don't see how you can be as involved as to be a script writer and watch the show and not know how to write for anybody. It's, I feel like... It's kind of your job to know. But I'm a script... I'm not a script writer, but I really feel like I could write a line for any character in their... In their or know that it's not wrong, you know? Mm. I suppose it's... You could say it's, a, con, it's a, a sad consequence of the fact that there are so many characters on the show no wonder it's difficult to write for some of them if they don't have a unique voice and also if if the show is more plot driven than character yeah, driven these that's days the problem, I think, some characters say things because the plot requires them yes. to say this i mean there's there's a few characters that are really really plot victims i think maria is one of them i think she's like a massive cipher like who is maria i don't even know this is the woman who like 
got in trouble with the police because she married a gay man so they could get brought over to yeah come to live in this country or also the woman who like seems to have no personality apart from when she's talking to gary thinks that gary's some kind of machiavellian she's also a, a, can be a bit of a stalker as well isn't she she's do you remember crazy. that time when she was crazy stalking tyrone a she few dressed years up ago. as a lion to propose she, she's funny she's really no, she was she proposing there or was she being saying sorry i can't remember but well she dressed up as a lion yeah that doesn't seem like something that Maria would do now. Yeah, but you're she, right. It's she what, used what to is... get on really well with, with David when they worked together in the salon, and that felt like another completely different Maria. Who is Maria? I don't know. Yeah. The, th- that's, it, the phrase is, there's something about Maria, but actually there's nothing about Maria, so they can just throw whatever they want at her. She feels more than most characters, to me, to feel like just a kind of a dandelion in the wind, you know? Mm. Like a dandelion scene just floating whatever way... They want her to go. Yeah, but you do get other characters that are very much, you know, pretty rigid. And you re- think, yeah. I know what this character would say in this situation. Yeah. And, and even, I mean, back in the day, because we're watching our 1990s Corrie and you get Ivy at the moment, who's <laughs> got a real <laughs> strong personality. You don't even have to write a line for her to know what she's thinking. No, uh, but you, you kind of want to be able to see her react to everything at the moment, don't you? We oh, just watched Gail and Martin getting married and uh, oh, the looks faces. that she gives. <laughs> yeah, brilliant. Um Robin continues, um, where characters are immediately written differently to how they would normally be, um, is that con- is, is that-, that consciously done for plot or is it because of the different styles and ideas of individual writers? Maybe my idea of Ken is different to everyone else's, but I didn't think he'd pressure Sinead into an abortion like he did and the writing didn't sound like him to me. Another more recent example, and to further complicate things, is where they've introduced a new actor as a head change. General feedback is that Summer is very different now with a new head, and much was made of her saying lol aloud. I agree with the majority of people that Matilda Freeman's Summer would not have said this. Oh, if there's one thing that I think everybody can agree with is that Matilda Freeman's Summer would never say lol. Mm. And if she did, she would roll her eyes. She, she learned that off Granny Spellman. <laughs> <laughs> Do people think that this was, A, the writer trying to put a stamp on a new actress coming and taking the role and instinctively and intentionally writing differently because of the new new actress? Uh, B, that the writer's interpretation of Summer being different to the next writer? Or C, the Summer actress changing the script slightly in delivery? And I'm not sure how often that happens as a whole. I don't think... I don't... That happens. No, and I, I don't... I think if you... Especially if you're a new actress... You know, the, fresh the, to the balls think... you'd have to have to say, "Do you mind if I just do this?" Do you mind if I just say "lol" here? I really don't think that would happen. I don't. I just don't know what they're trying to do with summer at the moment. I really don't. That's a really good question, though. I think Robin's posing a good mm, yeah, question here to say, like, what is going? Basically, all this is like, what the hell's going on with summer? Mm. Yeah, yeah, and I can't tell you what the answer is because I, it feels like they're trying to change her personality, and I don't understand what the point of that is. And it's not even a gradual change. Sometimes you see it gradually, then sort of wanting to make a character a bit different over time. But this is just... It's like somebody... Yeah, it's like she's been abducted by aliens, just dumped back on the street again. Somebody different. It's very strange. Anyway. Um, Anyway, uh, my final thought thought is the change of the development of characters over time. Johnny and Carla are both wallflowers now compared to their initial entrance to the programme. 
and uh, are very yeah. different now to how they both appeared. My question is, is that change in the character intentional from the writers from the get-go, or is that something that naturally happens over time? I much preferred both these character examples in their previous states. Another example I'll give is Roy. He used to hold seances, and I believe there is a scene in the old days with him with a Ouija board. Nowadays, of course, he doesn't believe in ghosts since Haley died. I wonder, is it intentional from the writers to change his personality, or has his view on ghosts changed because Haley died? Or have the writers simply forgotten Roy's older ghost hunting state? Well, this is dear to my heart because I am a weird person who likes weird stuff. I bought those UFO earrings, by the way. <laughs> and I also, I also um, read 14 times every month. Uh, I think this was just the writers going, Roy's weird, what's weird? Weety boards and aliens are weird. Let's have him do that. And I don't think there was any thought given to it beyond that. And they don't. I don't think that they really thought through the contradiction of of the, what that that created in Roy's character. Because I'll hold my hand up right right away and say that nothing about aliens and ghosts is logical in any way. And somebody like Roy, who very much feels quite rooted in um, you know reality, I don't think would necessarily entertain such thoughts. But I think, um, you know, I, I just think they wanted to make him weird. They didn't and know. And they didn't know how it, else to do it. It took a while for Roy's personality to settle in. And we've, I've also been watching this in the ITV episodes because they've been showing the 96, 97 episodes when these came in. Um, and he was definitely, he was definitely a lot smilier and he drank beer and things in the early days. But um, yeah, they, they, they didn't know exactly how to do him at first. It took a while for him to settle. But. Um, the the scene I'm trying to think they they did have him going and doing a bit of investigating into Ivy's ghost I think but yeah. I don't I think he was ta- still taking a kind of a scientific approach to that and um, excuse me you can be scientific and hunt ghosts yes that's what I'm saying but the the Ouija board thing I'm trying to remember because there was a weird scene and I think it's Mike coming to see Roy but it could be someone else who uh, and Roy was pretending to contact his dead aunt or something, but he just did it to play up to the fact that this person, and I'm going to say it was Mike, but it may not be somebody who can correct me if I'm wrong, thought that he was weird. So he was like saying, well, he thinks I'm weird, so I'm going to pretend to be weird. And he goes into this pretend trance, like crosses <laughs> his eyes imagine. and stuff. And then, and it, I still I don't see Roy I, doing like, that now, but he wasn't him... doing it genuinely. Yeah, but I can't imagine him, not only can I not imagine him doing it, um, seriously, but I also can't imagine him caring uh, anyone thinks he's weird enough to put on a fake seance to teach them a lesson. Yeah, no, he's he's changed a bit over time. It's been quite quite funny. But... I definitely agree, and I never really thought about using the word wallflower, but you're totally right, Johnny and Carla. They've really... I'm, I'm hoping that this prison story is going to be a bit of a making of it, because How he's had he so bring little him out of to his do. Shell? Oh, there's nothing that makes you more outgoing than going to prison when you're suffering the from that. The fact MS. that he's got a whole story centred around him, <laughs> and like we said, unless they decide to pair him up with Gary or somebody else, um, it's going to be a Johnny story. He has to and have he, somebody and to it, you. It's not going to be a, you know, a story of somebody else that he happens to be a... No, it's... and I suppose the Scott thing was Johnny's story as well. It just started off a lot of the Scott story was him almost hiding from Scott, oh, so yeah, he wasn't in, in it as much. So um, this could be the making of him. I don't know, but I don't, I don't know what to think about Carla. I think she's, she's a shadow of all herself. Mis- I think with Carla, it's a misjudged, in my opinion, attempt to be to t- try to tell a realistic story about mental health, and. Um... <sighs> 
it's it very much to me is like look at this strong uh, powerful woman that's so full of confidence and and look what become become to her that's right everybody mental health issues can can hit anybody that you least expect but sadly I don't know it, that it that brings the character happened. to hell I I think they were just sort of saying we need to be a bit more realistic. We have a responsibility to tell a story about this and we've gone down a path now. We've committed ourselves and um, we have to be true to the situation. But they weren't true to the character. Well, they also... and, and this happens in real life to people. I don't want to diminish or, or dismiss somebody's real life experiences because, you know, people can go through a traumatic experience and never be the same afterwards. And I don't want anyone to feel bad about themselves or feel like they're a failure or that they're, you know, it's wrong It's wrong to let these things affect you. That's not the case. This is, this is still a, a fictional television show and these characters have to be entertaining as well as tell a story and as well as tackle issues. And in, Car- in Carla's case, I think they have sacrificed her personality for a story about you know the impact of of like depression and and uh what what you know and that's fair enough but I, i'm still allowed to think what i think about it and that is that i don't like her as much we've also but said I, I am i will say i am i am um optimistic about maybe a bit of old carla coming back when she has to face off against daisy yeah that's a really good point actually really what what carla has been missing is is a bit of conflict, right? Carla's always been a scratchy, itchy character that rubbed up against everybody else and was top dog. Like, she came in, factory boss, in charge of everybody, immediate tension there built into the role, the fact that she's opposed to everybody because she's telling them what to do, you know? I'm the bolshie. It was almost like, you know, like the 90s power woman coming in. Like, I'm the boss woman. I'm, I'm sexy and I'm in charge. And, and then she had Tracy who was her enemy. Mm. And then she kind of had, you know, her, her mental demons and her, her romances. Now, <clears throat> she said, has said she's kind of made a very conscious decision to step back from all the things that cause conflict in her life. And the only thing that she's got left now really is Peter. But because she's consciously tried to cut out as much of the conflict out of her life as possible, she's got nothing to spark up against and that's what made Carla great. Mm. The, the problem with Carla as well has been she's fallen victim to, um, you know, when you get a good Cory actress and somebody who gets the nominations and somebody who is the the the, the front face of the, the big stories of the year, then they will often try to give them tragedy upon tragedy because, look, this actress is really good at crying and, and sadly some characters don't escape from that. And even well, with this stuff with, with Daisy coming up, there's also still going to be... Um, there's. There's more to come with this tragedy for Peter when his, you know, when his liver plops out. Carla's going to be crying again. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I, I think you're right, actually. The the Daisy thing could have potential for Carla. I hope. hope yeah, so Peter isn't too much these are some really interesting that. questions that Robin has posed. That's, I, that's why I decided... We will never really know the answers to all of them unless we actually ask somebody that works on the show. And we don't. No, and, uh, and and some of these things I would never admit anyway. Well, to that, be honest, yes, I I don't think I would want to ask some of these questions. So, 
Tell me, why is Carla not as good as she Carla used boring? to be? <laughs> and why is Carla boring? Why is summer crap? Yeah, that's, uh, that's, uh, that's a headline you, in the mirror. The are sun you bad at your appearing. job or do you just not care <laughs> <laughs> that you wrote lol for summer to say out loud and weren't ashamed of yourself? Yeah, yeah. Did somebody hold a gun to your head or was this your idea? <laughs> Yeah, it's really it's really weird. When when we when we finally get around to recording our final episode of the podcast, and uh, we'll just we'll just find all the goss and and spread it. Look, this is the, this discussion here is a very frank discussion. We're being really disrespectful and quite rude about the people that work really hard on the show. This is why we would never get hired if you wanted to work on it because we're we the stuff that we say here. We're very, very tactful about the actors, but we're not at all about the production and the the writers, mostly because we don't talk about them as individuals. Mm. And so I, I would never say any of this to somebody's face. It's really, really rude. I don't think um, it reflects the hard work that they put in, and it must be difficult. And the thing about it is that you write, you must sit down and you write a script and then it gets, you know, you've got to tweak it there, you've got to tweak it there. And somebody says, you can't write this because this is going to happen later and so and so and so and so. I don't think that any single script is one person's vision completely uncompromised by everything else. I think they have to make a lot of tweaks and changes and I mean, it's not always going to be per- nobody's perfect. I've got massive respect for all the behind the scenes people. And reading that Abigail Kemp book, you know, the, the intro of it which said... Here's how it goes from idea to being on your screen, showing me just what a powerhouse Corey is and how there's so many different people working together to yeah. put this fantastic product together. So no wonder... Um, Sometimes things slip through the cracks. Yeah, and, 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 and so many sense. people are involved in it and not everybody has got the same exact vision of all the characters. So And we've even had people who work on the show, like I've said, kind of, um, in you know, kind of mysteriously, like... I wish you knew why that happened, you know? Mm. And and some things have happened and we don't know what the situation was. There's There must be and, so much that goes on that just we, we, we never know about. And, and, and for another thing that happens that perhaps is not very obvious to people and has happened recently that we know of is people reading other characters' lines in a scene. Mm. So that yeah. happens, just, to, just in case you wondered... Yeah. Sometimes. Who knows if that line was ever even written for summer? Yeah. No, that's that's very true. Um, and that uh, I don't know if that's just because of COVID or what, but yeah. But we, you, you say we were. Being and sometimes horrible, people but... get sick. You know, actors get yeah. sick and can't come in. Yeah. yeah. Whatever. We we do give we we give praise and credit where it's due, don't we? We were just saying how great the script was, like yeah. on Monday, for example. So I don't. I think. Um, it, no, it wouldn't no, no. be right for I'm us not, to... I'm not trying to make you feel bad. No. I'm just saying, like, I wouldn't want anybody who works on the show to listen to this and not... and take everything we say to heart and not realise that, you know... I've, and I've said this before, nobody hates something more than a fan does. Like, we rip this apart and spend more time talking and thinking about it than, than it's probably intended. And we're going to nitpick it because we love it so much. Hmm. Yeah, we, we we say what we like and we say what we don't. Otherwise, Did it'd be you a bit that's of a, a saying. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's why I'm not a writer of. We say what we think. What we say, say what we don't think. Um, yeah, yeah. It's really easy to criticise. It's so, and we we spend four hours a week doing it. But so, a lot of that criticism is praise as well. 
yeah. Yeah. But I like these questions. I'd love to know the answer. I would love to be a fly on the wall. I remember when we went to um, we went to Media City what's, briefly. This what? What's the upper age limit for work experience? Well, I did work experience. What could I get away with? Somewhere. <laughs> I remember when we went to um, Media City very briefly this August, and you could stand on the bridge and look and see into the offices because they had the lights on. Yeah. And they had paper on the wall, and I was like, oh, I would love to get some kind of telescope and see what the writing says. I know. I wonder if you can read. <laughs> I know. Never mind storming the U.S. Capitol. I'd yeah, be like, no, I'm gonna storm the curry officers. You know how people like to fantasise about the end of the world and where would you go if like there was no no people? I'd be like, right, we're going to we're going to Media City. We're going to break into Coronation Street and see whether what the board says. You know that board yeah. they've got with all the, the whole year's worth yeah. of. I mean, we've been really really lucky to have had um, two guided tours of the sets of Coronation oh, Street, yeah. haven't we? I would never think we don't we take any of this granted. I would absolutely we love. To be able to go and see, you know, the rest of the behind-the-scenes stuff. I don't think they never let us in. Oh, I'm not I, saying I, I think. I think either, they've put I'd... salt down so we can't get in. <laughs> I would find it fascinating. I remember when to we see, went. You know, the the graphics people, the storyline people, the publicity people. I, I would. I know. I would uh, dying to know what that's like. I remember when we went and um, Connor took us around, and we went up near where the the story and the writers and everything, or that that room. And I can't remember, there was, um, like, somebody from the press office was there, and she's like, oh, no, no. Nothing <laughs> else in here. Look, look over there. <laughs> and then instantly we were like, why? What? Let me see. Thing is, though, I think that we, me and you, have proven ourselves to be uh, very good at keeping secrets. No, we say that. we've known things. That saying that instantly takes all your credibility away. What? Going around saying, I know a secret you don't know. <laughs> No, you can tell me anything. I won't tell anyone. I will say for a secret, though. I think we're pretty trustworthy. I Go on. Go on, Curry. What would you want them to say? What secrets do you want to know now? What? What's what The secret you want to know, most of all, is who who wrote the line lol for summer and why did they no, let I just want to it? know. I just want to know what it's like, all the behind the scenes. Tell you um, what, tell you what officers. Michael, if you want to get a job to know what behind the scenes and in offices, get a job as a cleaner. Because <laughs> I used oh, to, yeah. I was a cleaner at my camp, university campus and they were so stupid, they gave me the keys. I went into my professor's office to find out what my score was before I was even supposed to know one of my essays. <laughs> they let you go anywhere when you're a cleaner. Well, yeah. let's uh, let's just rock up there one day with our tabards, our mop and bucket. Yeah, you can have your Hilda curlers. Oh, love, just come to give you a quick bottoming. <laughs> See how far we can get. Like no one says that now. Get out. <laughs> right, we've uh, we digressing a, a little bit, weren't we? That was a bit of a waffle. Thank you for listening, Thanks everybody. All for all of our feedback. Four hundred fifty-two. Thank you for feedback. If you have um, feedback that you would like to give, then you can email us at conversation. If you're a writer and you want to explain yourself, um, you can you can use the address to invite us to see behind the scenes at Coronation Street as well um, we are at conversationstreet.podbean.com we are on Instagram we are on Twitter we are on Facebook come and join our lovely group there but don't troll it please um, <laughs> we are on YouTube uh, Patreon and loads of other stuff like that so you, you can leave us a review ways. like yeah. Erica did this week she gave us five stars and said we were the best we are the best and she wrote Michael and Gemma's devotion to Coronation Street to its fans and to their own fans is as amazing as they are Oh, thanks. If you want to keep up with Corey and talk about it with your two funny BFFs, this is for you. 
Thank you, Erica. This isn't the first time, surely, that Erica has given yes. us a review on iTunes. Yes. Is it? Yes. Oh, I think I'm... she said that, or maybe she she had to plug her iPad in, she told me. So oh. she finally Thank you very it in. much. Thank oh, you very bye. much. And really, thank you, everybody, for listening. I really appreciate your time yes. listening to this. Don't forget to go and listen to our bonus podcast. I think we're about to go and uh, maybe record a little disclaimer for the beginning of it now before we go to bed. But it's lots of fun. And we talk about our predictions for the year. We talk about everything that we loved about 2020, both on Coronation Street and, you know, just in general for the podcast, how that's how it's been such a great year for Conversation Street. And we read out a load of our listener predictions as well. Well worth tuning in for, I would say. So go and do it. But um, that's it, isn't it? Should we go? Yeah. Let's go. The music for this episode comes from podcastthemes.com. <laughs>